Hello, it is Thursday, July 16th, and this is the Pat McAfee Show 2.0 podcast. I can't thank you enough for allowing us to penetrate your ears. Got some great conversations today. I think you're going to say, you know what? Happy I picked that show to listen to. If you do enjoy this show, be sure to tell a friend. If you don't enjoy the show, just act like it never fucking happened. Okay, just easy rules here. Um, This Washington football team name to be determined shit that's going to come out either today or tomorrow, allegedly, is bonkers. Okay, everybody's been saying it. The NBC Sports in Washington's been saying that. A writer for ABC7, which I believe is in D.C., or a, a reporter for ABC7, which I believe is in D.C., said that other people in the area who have gotten little pieces of information about the news that's about to come out about Washington team name TBD team over there, it's going to be bonk. I mean, this is going to be bonkers from what everybody's saying. There's been some rumors that have started floating around the Internet, and, and I've read them, and I'm like, there's no way they can be true. And then I go and check with those people's tweets, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's bad. It could be true. So we'll keep our eyes peeled to that, obviously. Um, if you if something pops up, you can go check out YouTube.com forward slash The Pat McAfee Show. I'm sure we will react to it as it happens because this is mighty big news from what I've been told. And other than that, sit back, relax, and enjoy some good conversation. You're the greatest. All right, Ty, let's get to this thing. Joining us now is a legend. He's an analyst for the NBC Sports, an Emmy-nominated host on Golf Channel. He's been doing PGA Tour live tournament broadcasts for the past 25 years. What? David's self-titled Faraday series also is scheduled to resume in its 10th season on July 27th with the show airing Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time on the Golf Channel. Ladies and gentlemen, golf legend David Faraday. Hey, you know, uh, just talking about manscaping there, uh, I uh, I spent so much time trying to keep six feet between me and the refrigerator, and it hasn't worked. And uh, my body looks like a ruptured sofa. <laughs> and, and manscaping is difficult, uh, you know, when you've got so many lumps and, and like soft creases and bulges. But, you know, I, I'm making an attempt at it. Well, you're a bag of potatoes at this point, David. We all are. You got to, uh, this lawnmower 3.0, it's it's smooth. It's like butter coming. It's like hot butter coming right off. It'd be no problem, even if you got a beat up body over there. Yeah, I, I got one. It's really good. It, hey, it, it, it actually is very good. I'm happy this is how our conversation started. <laughs> I've learned a lot about you. I, I want to talk, I want to ask you this one simple question. I've gotten into golf here a little bit more as I've gotten older and things like that. What makes golf the best sport on earth, do you think? I mean, what, is, it, is it the intensity? Is it the precision? Is it how you have to be good for so long? What do you think makes golf the best sport on earth? I, I think it's because it's so addictive. Um, it, it's uh, as much of a, a drug as it is a sport. Uh, and you say you see people all the time and say, you know, golf, it's so slow and it's not interesting and whatever. And then when you get them to try it, you know, it's too difficult. Uh, but then they hit that one shot that comes out of the middle of the club face and soars up into the air. It holds against the blue sky for a little bit and it comes down. It might even spin a little bit. Oh. It's like. You know, it's, I don't know, uh, it's like no other sport. When it, You know, being able to control uh, an object over such long distances gives you such a sense of achievement. 
for 25 years you've been covering uh the golf here and that is you don't look like it by the way you look like you've been covering for about five ten years now. <laughs> you look amazing david i feel like that <laughs> but for 25 years that's basically the same exact length as tiger woods's career here 24 years so you've gotten yeah. a chance to kind of watch the tiger kind of take golf to its peak in popularity there for a while and then kind of he disappears and now he kind of comes back he's playing in the tournament this weekend obviously anytime tiger's playing it's crazy 24 years and i would assume there's a heightened excitement around everybody at the golf course including yourself and the other golfers there, there is and it shows itself even in the logistics uh, of, of the golf tournament uh, they have to hire uh, more security staff uh, more parking attend they have to have more parking space there are more cops there are more spectators they generate more money for uh, the local area charities it's incredible the effect that he's had over the last 25 years um, you know, the PGA Tour have, have raised over three billion, I think, in in, uh, in charitable giving uh, since uh, its inception. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Tiger Woods hasn't been uh, responsible for about a billion of it by himself. <laughs> So Tiger is, there's obviously the conversation of who's the GOAT in every single sport. And Mike Greenberg from ESPN's Get Up put up this poll on his Twitter the other day. And he was like, who's most likely to catch their, you know, the previous GOAT? LeBron to MJ, he needs three more championships. Patrick Mahomes to Tom Brady. This was obviously after Tom or Patrick Mahomes signed a half billion dollar deal. He needs five more championships. And then Tiger to Jack. Tiger only needs three more. Now, he didn't win this poll because we live in a recency bias world, but Tiger getting three more championships. Is that very attainable and doable, you think, for Tiger, especially with the way he seems to be golfing now? He looked incredible at the match, too. It looked like he was controlling the ball everywhere it needed to go. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's very doable. I wouldn't describe it as that, but it's certainly doable. The only mistakes I've ever made uh, in the 25 years I've been covering him is when I've underestimated him. And I would say uh, of that group that you just uh, showed me, um, he's definitely the favorite because he gets four chances a year. The other guys really only get one. <sighs> he's... Just watching him golf that match too. It looked I had no idea his his legs were that like tiny. He's got tiny <laughs> little legs. I had no idea. I thought a man that hits a ball that far and is that explosive, you have big legs. But the match too, like when I was watching that, and I have like an amateur golf eye, when you're watching him like control and shape his shots, you have to be thinking, like, okay, Tiger seems to be all the way back because we've gotten pump faked the last couple years a few times. Like, okay, Tiger's back, and then something would happen. And Tiger's back, and then he wins one, and then he kind of disappears for a little bit, then corn hits and then he's back what is it in your eyes that you think like you know what tiger's back like did you watch that match too and go okay it looks like our guy is back on top of his game well it's the injury uh, has forced him to play a little more within himself and uh, along with that there are these youngsters that he has dragged up if you like from uh, he set the bar uh, so high that uh, you know players like ricky Fowler and dustin johnson and uh you know, it, now we've got Justin Thomas, and we've got Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf. They all, you know, look at that bar and they think, well, I can get there. So the competition at the top has, has got a, a good deal closer. Um, and, and, you know, Tiger is responsible for that. But he's playing more within himself. You can see he's trying, you know, to keep his body in shape. You know, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can see a lot of great Tiger Woods golf from now on. I think, you know, as long as he can stay healthy, um, I mean, he's got great chances because uh, it's still the same. Uh, the rules apply. You know, if Tiger Woods plays well, 
he wins. <laughs> he wins. You know, even even today, if he plays well, he wins. And, and that's always been the case, you know, since he uh, came out on the PGA Tour. Let's talk about that young crew, because obviously last weekend, Justin Thomas and Morikawa won after it. Uh, extra holes. Uh, Justin Thomas was up three going into the final three. And in the game of golf, things can happen like that. All you need is one, two bad shots and everybody else is back in the game. But I couldn't watch it on damn television. I mean, uh, you guys have a golf channel. Dave. Put, it, put it on the golf channel. Why couldn't I see that? Because I felt like the news that I was getting on the Internet, I'm like, hey, this is great for golf. Two young guys going at it right now. But nobody could watch watch it why was that am i an idiot I it's that's frustrating and i don't know the reason why uh, you know I'm, I'm not on that side of the business thank god <laughs> <laughs> you, you wouldn't be you'd probably be watching cricket <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean i'd like to see it on, on the golf channel i'd like to see everything on golf channel i work for them <laughs> the golf channel seems to be great content i i remember going back the big break used to be like one of my oh, favorite mm -hmm. shows yep. it'd be on late night Faraday going into its 10th season that has to feel pretty damn good to be a show host here all by yourself with your last name going on 10 years what should people look forward to coming up july 27th wow you know we've had such a break i'm not even sure who's going to be on uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know come july 27th but uh, 10 years, yeah, it's been an amazing trip. And you're know, talking about Golf Channel programming. Uh, you know, there's the live golf is one thing. It's always going to be popular. But some of the documentaries, um, you know, uh, Samuel Jackson, you know, about, uh, you know, black players in the game and, they're, you know, being excluded from it so for so many years on, on the PGA. Um, there's uh, the Arnold uh, documentary. There's Jack. There's, I mean, they're just fascinating, you know, such uh, programming and really – you know, I, I deal with uh, live golf a lot in my job, and I tend not to watch it when I'm off work, but I, I do watch the uh, the other programming. I love it. I think I got this at 2, 3 a.m. It's called The Unduffable. Turns out, yeah. son of a bitch, Unduffable? Du yeah, duffs all the time. <laughs> it duffs all yeah, the time. It looks like something you'd beat sheep into a van with. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you're from Northern Ireland, is that? I think you're the first person I've ever talked to from Northern Ireland. Yes, yeah, that's a, that's where I'm from. We have a special relationship with sheep there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the young golfers, the young golfers. You got Brooks, obviously Dustin Johnson. Uh, in the last what week or two, hasn't been in contention, so I guess he's out of conversation. But it does feel like there is that young group that is kind of primed to take on. Is there any golfers that are like kind of young phenom-like golfers that we don't know about yet that hasn't like hit maybe teenagers or something that could kind of get in? I guess Morikawa could potentially be that guy. You know, um, I uh, I've had my finger off the pulse for so long, uh, but you know, guys, not that that I you know, know of, um, but the, the talent is, is so phenomenal. And we see it every year. There are, are names that pop up and, and you think to yourself, well, who the hell is that? Um, where did he come from? I mean, they're coming off that college uh, conveyor belt and, and they're not, nobody chokes anymore. Have you, you know, have you, have you seen that? We had uh, Justin uh, th this weekend, but you, know, you, you can't really call it a choke. Uh, well, I suppose you can, actually. <laughs> kind of, yeah. I think it was up three. Okay, forget three. that last bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm just saying. Probably could, I guess. 
But it does feel like every the game of golf. It feels like everybody's hitting shots. Like people I've never heard of are making these miraculous shots. And then you're like, you're right. The name will come out of nowhere. It's like well, I had no idea that guy even existed, and he just played golf better than every human on earth. What do you got? Talk about the college conveyor belt and a, and a guy that's really coming on right now. What has been the tour player's reaction and the analyst's reaction to Bryson DeChambeau's body transformation and now him just absolutely bombing the ball every weekend. Faraday, every other sport, Faraday, there'd be a lot of questions. There'd be a lot of questions. He said he drank nine protein shakes a day or whatever. It is paying off. He's hitting that thing a mile every time. Yeah, I know. I mean, he's gone from, I mean, he looks like a silverback. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, Bryson is one of those, uh, those people that he'll, he'll take it to the, you know, 200%, whatever he does, he just, you know, gets head first into it, whether it's physics, math, you know, the science part of it, and, you know, the psychological part of it, the physical part of it, you know, I mean, he's, uh, uh, I just uh, afraid that he might explode, you know, into like a horror movie. Yeah. He's, yeah. You know, they say, they say you're not supposed to like swing out of your shoes. He is swinging out of it. He looks like a long drive uh, guy trying to get to every single time yeah. he swings at that thing. Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, he generates so much leverage and, and uh, you know, he's got the bulk behind it now as well. He does. He looks like uh, one of the, the, the guys, you know, in the, in the log drive championship, but he's got tremendous technique as well. It's really, it's pretty frightening. It wouldn't surprise me if Bryson, you know, because he's so intense and so, uh, so motivated, you know, if he does get to number one in the world. There are so many golf courses around that are just beautiful, right? Everybody talks about Augusta, and then there's St. Andrews, and then you got Pebble Beach. What is your favorite course each year to kind of cover? What is your favorite place to go to? What place seems to create more magical moments in your eyes than everywhere else? Well, I, for me, I, I think of the – I've been lucky enough to cover the Open Championship, the Open uh, uh, in Britain now for the last four years. And, uh, you know, I, I played well in that event uh, – you know, on a few occasions, and uh, any time we go back to St Andrews or Burkdale or Royal Troon or any of those open roster golf courses, it always gives me. Uh, I mean, my favorite would be St Andrews. It's like playing in a graveyard. Um, <laughs> and uh, I had uh, maybe my finest moment in, in golf there. Uh, you know, I captained the Irish side that won uh, the what was what was the three man World Championship. Uh, they called it the Dunhill Cup. Uh, back in 1990, uh, in a blind hangover, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, we we celebrated winning the semifinals, and uh, I threw up twice on the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> I was given some kind of puccin by one of the caddies, which made me blind, you know, for about 20 seconds, and uh, ended up winning in a playoff. <laughs> That for me was a huge high point in my career, low point in, in my uh, psychological life. <clears throat> you got to feel pretty good about the mental toughness there, though, to battle through blinding and puking to go on and yeah. win in a playoff. I mean, that is not. I assume the other person was very sober that you were battling against. Uh, very sober and very annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oh my God! Go ahead, Dick. David. So they're playing at the same course basically back to back weekends. Does it give an if, yeah. if if we're a gambling man, which we are, we are very very much. Does so. it give an advantage to the guys that played last week, or does does that not even matter since there's so many practice rounds during the week leading up to this for the guys that didn't play last week? No, I, I think it does. I mean, you, every the more you play a golf course, the more comfortable you get on it. And I mean, it is an unusual situation where they're playing the golf course, uh, same golf course twice in a row. I can't think of another. Uh, another time where they've done that. 
Um, yeah, but I would definitely give an edge to, to the guys that have, uh, have played this last week. It's a tremendous preparation for, uh, you know, one of the biggest tournaments of the year. Oh, you said Tiger's not going to win right there? Is that what you just said? <laughs> no, I, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that. Yeah, I, I think he'll be in the shakeup, that's for sure. <laughs> How he is loves it, the place. What do you think about the no fans? I, I feel like golf is a socially distanced sport. We're, we're having this conversation. Baseball, very much a socially distanced sport. Everybody seems to be far away from each other, especially if you sit. Golf, whenever the initial conversation was happening with golf coming back, everybody was like, yeah, it feels like a socially distanced sport. And then with the no fans, it feels like it's a much different atmosphere. How would you have reacted as a golfer if there was literally nobody there to really cheer or watch, aside from the extreme amount of security there seems to be, friends of the course that seem to be getting mm -hmm. in there? What is is that, how, how much different is that for the golfers, you think? It's got to be kind of weird, um, that's for sure. The first tournament back was here. Uh, I'm, a, I'm in the DFW area and uh, at Colonial. And it, it's kind of strange because, you know, normally when you play, the worse that you play, the closer you get to the crowd. <laughs> you know, uh, if you don't want to get hit by Phil Mickelson, don't stand 300 yards away on the left. <laughs> Yeah, I, because <laughs> Phil will be gunning for you, and that, he'll tell you that himself. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's like playing in a vacuum, um, I would imagine, and, and more difficult because you don't get the adrenaline, you don't get the rush, you know, that uh, you have if you make a, a big putt or hit a fantastic shot. Um, there's, there's not much of a, a reward to it, an emotional reward. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's got to be tough, tough for the guys. Fortunately, they're still playing for it fortune <laughs> uh a fortune yeah a lot of money 1.1 million dollars shout out to morikawa going getting hot there winning the playoff hole what about those two back-to-back -back putts made on that second playoff hole what a gut sack moment there we have to get to a break for radio will you stick around for the youtube show dave sure all right let's go to break on radio we'll be back to close out hour one on the other side this is the pat mcafee show wednesday july 15th and we're out. Okay, welcome back. Hey, David, great fucking conversation here. <laughs> uh, are you in your office right now? Is that the office where we're calling from? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm in the office. Uh, what, what gets done there? Is that where you guys are calling? Are you calling golf from there? Or is that, or you guys, or what's going on? I, I haven't called any golf, God, you know, forever. Christ, uh, I'll be lucky if I can remember what the hell goes on every time we start. But we did just get the U.S. Open and, and the, the USGA package. You know, NBC got it from Fox. So uh, we, we should have uh, a bit of golf, you know, some great golf, actually, towards the end end of the season. Those are hey, while, while I, Ron, I have my, my foundation. Uh, we've got a Zoom yeah. call at, uh, at 10 o'clock. Uh, nine o'clock my time. No. Hey, go. Oh yeah, ten o'clock. Yeah. Go do your thing. What's the foundation for? Um, it's for uh, wounded uh, uh, military uh, troops first foundation. Well, that's and uh, I've had it for twelve years now. Since uh, the first time I, I went to Iraq uh, to entertain the troops, you know, I came back and uh, I, I had to be an American. I wasn't an American at that point. I came back, and it's the first thing I applied for. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. How do people help here with the Troops First Foundation? Well, you can go to troopsfirstfoundation.org um, uh, and find out all about it. Well, we appreciate you doing that. Thanks for taking care of the troops. Thanks for the conversation, and can't wait to watch Tiger win this weekend, even though he didn't play last week. Ladies and gentlemen, check out the 10th season of Faraday, which is debuting on July 27th on the Golf Channel. Ladies and gentlemen, David... Fairy. Thank you. Yeah, it is. Thank you, brother. Have a good one.
So sorry to interrupt, just want to let you know that this show is brought to you by the greatest home security system to ever be invented. What's the number one sign of a bad home security system? Answer, a home security system that's so complicated you never use it. This is exactly the type of security system that Simply Safe has spent a decade fighting against, fist to cuffs, beating the shit out of. They believe that simple is safer. And it's exactly why Simply Safe is the home security for right now when feeling safe at home has never been more important. Simply Safe was designed to be easy to use while protecting your whole damn house 24 7. Order online with a click of a button, you open the box, you place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. Voila, easy. No technician or salesperson has to come and disrupt your house, your home, interrupt everything you got going on. It arrives in a box, you set that thing up yourself. You don't need to pay any outrageous monthly fees or sign a two-year contract. Simply Safe was named the best overall home security of 2020 by U.S. News and World Report and their 24-7 professional monitoring and emergency dispatch starts at just 50 cents a day 50 cents a day for comfort and security from our friends at simply safe which is easy to set up and also will capture any magical moments that happen to happen in front of the cameras we use it in the office we all have them in our houses they've got some magical beam footage baby Right now, if you head to simplysafe.com slash McAfee, that's S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash M-C-A-F-E-E, you can get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash McAfee, free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Make sure you go to simplysafe.com slash McAfee so they know that this particular ad was worth it. We love Simply Safe. I think you will, too. If you've ever been scared of home security because you thought it was too expensive, you thought it was too invasive, you thought it was too complicated, Simply Safe has answered all of those questions. 50 cents a day, you set it up yourself, and voila, you just tap a nap and you're off and running. SimplySafe.com slash McAfee. Lock it down. See ya. Hello! McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. I am Pat McAfee sitting over my shoulder on a throne and next to me from Wisconsin, the very skinny looking AJ Hawk. Is that, a, is that a compliment? You calling me skinny looking? Should I take it that way? Yeah, I think you should, man. <laughs> yes. You look like you're in the best shape of your life. Super fit, ready to run a marathon. John. Ready to run a marathon, yeah. Good luck with that one. I couldn't run a marathon on, a, on an elliptical, so I, I don't think that's going to happen. But yeah, I do feel, sometimes I feel skinny. I don't, I guess I'm not like a power lifter. I work out, but I don't, I don't really lift for bulk. I'm almost 240 pounds, so if that's skinny, then hey, I'll take it. Almost. The, um, almost 240 pounds. The, how has the, you said you were working out in a lake last week. Now you're in like a, uh, a village in Wisconsin, right? You're, you're in like a, uh, one of those things on the lake. Have you been able to maintain the workout schedule here, or is that why you're kind of dissipating and disappearing in front of our eyes? I might be disappearing because I just secured my uh, like uh, an Anytime Fitness weekly pass Ooh. yesterday, so I was able to get head out there this morning. Uh, I've been in a lot of improvised workouts. Like when I was in Tahoe last week, I'd get up every morning, 5.30, get in the lake, push-ups, like the old-school Rocky-type workout. I have bands that I'm doing stuff with. So it's not the typical type of workouts that I get, but it's a good change up, I think. Everyone needs to change it up every once in a while so you don't get too used to what you're doing and you don't get bored, I guess, in your workouts. Is there anything more offensive to you than when somebody says you look like you have no muscles? Because that's what I was trying to do. <laughs> um, I guess. I don't get offended very often. 
But if someone was dead serious and they said that, maybe I would be a bit of, I, I don't know if I'd be offended. I would just be motivated. Like, all right, cool. I'm going to be 300 pounds now and I'm going to get on all the juice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, AJ, you take a couple of weeks off. Look like a little bitch over there. Okay. Uh, nice to see you have, you've stopped working out. That's very nice of you. Let's, um, I say that sometimes. I've told my wife that. I told her, I said, you know, I see all these big old linemen losing a bunch of weight. I said, what if I just got down to like 180? Yeah. She said, first off, there's no chance you get to 180. Oh. If you get to 180, I'm leaving you. Because <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Jeez. Hey, it's wrong not with about how you look on the outside, by the way. It's how you are on the inside. And I think that's why the Hawk yeah. family does so well over there, because it's good inside souls. I like that your wife, though, is like, listen, you want to be a scrawny little scrub. That's okay. Just get the hell out of the house. Okay? Get the easy. hell out of the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she didn't marry that guy. I mean, she's fine with it. She has no no issues with people that are 180 pounds. But when you're naturally like 230, you probably shouldn't get down to 180. I'm naturally like 225, 230 as well. It's weird because I think if I was to get lazy, I'd go 300, 350, which I almost was, I guess, this past fall. But those guys that go super thin, it, like Yonda, what Yonda was able to accomplish, and I think he's still trying to get down even more. Mm -hmm. And then Fanica, what he was able to do whenever he retired, and Joe Thomas now, who's like a shredded machine, I'm very impressed by that. But how long does it last? You know, at what point do you just tap out and say, you know what, I'm going Charles Barkley. I'm fucking out. Well, it seems like those guys that lose all that weight, like a Joe Thomas, you look at him. We watched him on what, the Titan Games. Is that what it was yep. called? He won by like that much. Hey, he got a W, which is all that matters. But boy, he was this close. Victor Cruz, I watched him lose to a Cirque du Soleil uh, aerial artist the other day. Tough look for Victor oh. Cruz and for the NFL because The Rock was like, Cirque du Soleil versus the NFL here. And I'm like, all right, fucking Victor, let's go. This is for all of us. And that Cirque du Soleil guy did not get tired. That son of a bitch was ready to go. <laughs> but Joe Thomas got a big W for us. You're right. Yeah, I mean, I just think that becomes their lifestyle. Like, Joe probably, with how skinny he is and he's shredded, he's probably thinking like, wow, I'll never go back to what I was. I, he seems like he's more comfortable now, I guess. Well, he was on a gravy train with biscuit wheels. Yep. Mm -hmm. Is that what he said? That's his saying, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Is that, like a, is that something I should have known? Yeah. Very popular saying. Yeah. Be With Joe, or did some? is that like a lot of big guys that – that got small. So. I'm not sure. Joe brought it into my life. So I, <laughs> it's Joe Thomas's quote in my eyes, but it might not be his. That Tomahawk show he does with Andrew uh, Hawkins was very good. Mm -hmm. Very, very good. Yeah. I, I enjoyed a lot. Um, yeah. I've known Hawk for a while. I, I think he's awesome. So is Joe. So, yeah, it's good. It, it makes sense why they're a good parent, I think. Good conversations. You know, good conversations. Good push. Now, Twitter put them right in the middle of the Twitter Sports Super Bowl uh, radio row thing, which is very nice of them. Oh, yeah. What's that mean? What is it? I don't get it. It you means know. Twitter was like, here you go. We'll give you an entire setup for your fucking show. I'm like, well, I'm like 45 times bigger than both of them. Not a single message to me from Twitter. Fuck off. Here's the broom closet, yeah, though. See you later. Wait, you mean, oh, tw they, like, Twitter put a setup for them at Radio Row and not, not like, wasn't it for, is it on, like, Uninterrupted or whatever platform it's on? Well, uh, I don't know. This was last Super Bowl, I guess. They had a big old setup there on Twitter Sports. So people know they're good. And Twitter loves them. I just wish, you know, maybe a little bit of respect from the uh, little Chirp Chirp Birdie app to me. You know, I put a lot of hours on there, and I feel like I've been rather loyal. And... Let's move on. Speaking of putting a lot of hours in and being very loyal to a team, Dak Prescott, there is two hours and 51 minutes left until – Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys can work an extension. If not, he will be under the franchise tag for the next season, earning himself $31.4 million guaranteed. Woo! 
with the potential chance, I guess, to re-up after this season or get franchise tagged again. He is now the third quarterback in the history of franchise tags and the NFL to play on the franchise tag, if that happens, uh, obviously, before after 4 o'clock. Drew Brees did it with the San Diego Chargers. He leaves Tan. Kirk Cousins does it with the Washington Redskins twice. He leaves town. So history says that Dak Prescott will play this franchise tag, maybe get it again even, but not end up being a Dallas Cowboy long term. If you're Dak, how do you feel? Do you pumped about $31.4 million guaranteed? Because if I'm looking at that piece of paper, I'm like, fucking A, here we go. Yeah, he's got to be a bit torn, I would imagine. I'm sure, yeah, you're excited. Okay, I'm going to be the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys for another year. I make $31 million guaranteed. But he doesn't feel like he has that long-term security that he wants from the team. Like, hey, you think I'm your guy? You're willing to pay me 31 mil for one year. Why doesn't that? Don't you think you should give me five, six-year extension and give me big-time money for, for down the road? Like that's where he's got to be thinking. But so if he doesn't do it today, though, he will become a free agent at, when the league year starts next March, right? No, uh, after the season they can negotiate. There's another window after the season before free agency to work a long-term deal. I actually had that happen after I got franchise tagged the day before free agency. We worked a five-year deal or four-year deal so i never hit the market but i was franchise tagged the year before so they could still potentially do that but i guess a five-year deal was offered to dak prescott uh numerous times but dak wants a four-year deal cowboys want a five-year deal and we've been told by everybody around the cowboys and uh that knows the organization that that is literally the only holdup is a one-year difference so that's very interesting to me because it feels like there's a it's much bigger than just a one-year difference there uh 33 to 35 million dollars was offered with over 100 million dollars guaranteed so if you look at that if they know that the cowboys want a five-year deal that means three years of that deal was guaranteed the other two were not Locks him in for five years as opposed to what Dak wants for four. So everybody's assuming he's not going to sign that deal. They're not going to get a deal done. But it's interesting because he could potentially get 37.4 or something next year if he gets franchise tagged or 37.9 if he gets franchise tagged again. I don't see them running into this situation next free agency. I, I don't. There's no way that they end up franchise tagging him again. They would. You would think they'd get the deal done. I think that they're trying to see if he and Mike McCarthy are going to work. I honestly believe that. Like, I think there's a now. Granted, they made him a hundred million dollar guarantee already, so maybe I'm wrong in thinking that. But I assume there are some questions like, how are Dak and Coach McCarthy going to get along? What's he going to look like there? And by the way, with McCarthy's history with quarterbacks, if Dak has his best fucking year this year, that money's only going to go up. So they could have paid him last year. They chose not to. Now they're franchise tagging him, and next year if they're going to pay him, it might go up even more with what McCarthy will be able to do with that offense. We assume he'll be better than Clapper. Clap on, smile, clap, clap on, off. clap off. Jason Garrett. I just hey, think hey. could do that. <clears throat> Can I ask you guys a question? So, like, he's if he plays on the franchise tag this year, it's thirty-one point four million. But say he gets, say he tears his shoulder up this season or something like that, and then wouldn't Lloyd's of London? I so is it worth the trying to do a four-year deal versus a five-year deal where you're going to have a hundred million guaranteed just? Just that one year is worth turning down all that money. He probably has a hundred million dollar insurance policy, if I had to guess, and that is. But probably, that's probably only if it's a career ender. It's not like hey, he missed one season. It's like you can never play football again. My Lloyd's of London or whatever it was, I had to get my leg basically sawed off, but it couldn't be my own doing, and it, it had to be an accident and it had to be around football. So I kind of got scammed into paying a lot of money, but I felt really comfortable knowing that if somebody ran onto a football field with maybe a saw attached to their elbow and took 
broke my fucking kicking leg off and I couldn't get a long-term deal, I would have got, I think, like $30 million or something like that. So that was nice to know in the back of my head that if that leg got sawed off and I could never kick a ball again, I would have got $30 million. And I'm happy I paid fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 for that uh, insurance policy just because everybody said it was the right thing to do. And I was like, I, reading through this, I don't think it is, but I got somewhere to be, so I'm not going to fucking battle about this. Just take my money. Let's move forward. Well, well, don't you think there must be something weird in the language of the contract, like for Dak not to accept if, if he's going to get between thirty three and thirty five a year with a hundred or more guaranteed? You would think like on face value, yeah, he's going to sign it. Why wouldn't he take that? So there's got to be something in the the wording or that they could cut him loose after two years and, and not like owe him anything else. I, he must. There's something in the language that he doesn't feel comfortable about because I feel like that money would get it done. I thirty three to thirty five million. Patrick Mahomes get what forty five million a year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's ten million dollars less than what you just saw somebody sign for. Who has an MVP and a Super Bowl championship? And well, who's by the all- second? Who's second place in average per year? Is it Aaron or Russell Wilson getting thirty four or thirty five? What is it? Russell, I believe. Yeah. Russell, I think. But also, also Patrick's not getting that forty five until like year three or four. But if you look at the overall. Yeah, yeah deal right if you look at the overall deal so that's probably where Dak's team is at like we need 35 to 40 as opposed to 33 to 35 we'll take five to six million dollars less than Patrick Mahomes but we can't be doing that we gotta set the table I guess his agent too is a guy that says hey we're gonna get all the money like I guess that's his agent is a let's get all of them not that every agent isn't but I guess this guy is a hard nose we want I, I, all the money that you could possibly get but the Cowboys have paid so many people I don't know how they would even have enough money to pay them potentially if you look around at that team they've re-upped I think seven players within the last yep. year or two mm-hmm. there's a lot of money owed to a lot of people it's just like the Chiefs how did the Chiefs pull off this stone cold Chris Jones deal nobody knows nobody has a clue and they have a couple offensive linemen coming up here in like a year or two that they're going to have to keep around Tyron Matthews going to come up Travis Kelsey's going to come up Tyreek Hill's going to come up there's going to be a lot of decisions to be made down the road on contracts and renegotiations but if you're the chiefs you're like hey for at least the next couple years we got a fucking squad squad at this point but we have very very little room in the salary cap hey pat when it says like i don't know i'm not 100 clear what this means when it says right there for chris jones so 60 million is guaranteed for injury we hear that a lot what does that mean if he gets hurt this year and he can never play again he still gets 60 mil yeah i don't know this 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 language has just come out recently the because Patrick Mahomes, the guarantee was for injury. I was like, well, what is the full guarantee? I would like to hear what the full guarantee is as opposed to just what the guarantee for injury is. And it's like almost the guarantee for injury has become like the 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 new uh, like rollout for the contracts. And I don't know what that means either. Like, can we find out when that money's guaranteed? What if there isn't an injury? What money is guaranteed? What if there's poor performance? Then what is expected? What's the guarantee? Like those are numbers I want to hear. But it feels like the media's new rollout is well, the guarantee for injury is this. It's like, okay, so that's like a Lloyd to London already built into the contract. Then like if if he can't play or if he gets hurt one year, what is? I don't really understand a lot of the lingo language that they're putting out either. Yeah, I don't. I, I wonder. I assume the teams have some kind of insurance policy on these big contracts, don't they? Like a, a Patrick Mahomes contract, don't they? Do you think the Chiefs have some kind of insurance to where if Patrick Mahomes is hurt after two years, you know, they can, the insurance pays the rest of his deal or something? That would make a lot of sense. And now that I think about it, I can't believe that I haven't thought that that probably happens because. It was like whenever you go to the scramble golf tournaments or celebrity golf tournaments and there's a car for the par three, 
That's just insurance. Like the car dealership just gets an insurance deal out for whatever it is. And then the insurance pays it if it hits. And I always thought these car companies were like such nice people. Look at these motherfuckers offering up a Jeep right here if I put this 145 into the... They're like, no, no, we don't. That's... Insurance will be paying for that. We put up like maybe two thousand bucks, make fifteen hundred bucks donation. But aside from that, it's insurance paying it. I would assume that NFL teams would do the exact same thing. What's up, Dick? I have the uh, definition of injury guarantee from NFL.com. If a player is released but is currently unable to perform football duties, i.e., doesn't pass a physical as a result of the team activities, the player is entitled to any money in his contract protected against injury. An injury only guarantee is the most common in terms of partially guaranteed money. What if he gets cut and they don't like him? Let, let alone if he can't pass the physical. What if he somehow, in their eyes, doesn't live up to the expectation level? Do they still owe him that money or is it strictly an injury thing? That's why I don't love the way the media has been rolling out these contracts. You know, I, I don't love the way they I think it's con- confusing isn't it it's already confusing enough but when you say the overall guarantee and then it always we, we keep hearing these this injury guarantee uh, like there's okay, no overall guarantee it. being said though like i want to know what yeah, patrick right. mahomes overall guarantee is like they've only said yeah, the like if he gets cut tomorrow what does he get mm-hmm. what is he what, what is guaranteed to him this is from sports illustrated they say if a player has guaranteed money for injury and they're healthy then the money guaranteed for injury is lost when the player is cut yeah, that's what I'm saying. So we need to know what the guaranteed money is. We haven't been told what guaranteed money is for anybody. Because I said, what's Patrick Mahomes' guarantee going to be? That has to be like $200 million guarantee or whatever, because that was the number they were aiming for going into this offseason. Everybody was saying, oh, Patrick Mahomes is going to get $200 million guaranteed, $200 million guaranteed. You look at the salary cap saying no chance. Now they get this extendo deal, half a billion dollars. And all they kept saying was the injury guarantee is $140 million. It's like, well, what's the actual? I would like to hear what the fucking actual guarantee is. And I would assume at this point, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, don't want people to know what the actual guarantee is. Mm-hmm. It's And we've moved past it. Hey, here's the injury guarantee. Now it, there's really no upside to letting out what the actual guarantee is. I feel like we missed it already for the Patrick Mahomes deal. Who knows if we'll do that for the DAC deal. On the opposite side of that, do you think that agents are trying to figure out what that guarantee is, like oh, DAX, yeah. so that they can they negotiate can. theirs? They can study the contracts. All the contracts are put out there. Like they, they, I don't know if his full contract is out there yet or not, but like a guy like Andrew Brandt, I'm sure, could tell you that. Did you ever get any contract? He signed you to a long deal, didn't he, Andrew? Andrew was there when I signed my rookie deal, yeah. He said you came in, you just got done with a workout, like classic A.J. Hawk, like I'm going to work harder than everybody. I'm coming in (laughs) to sign my rookie contract, fifth overall, sweating and in sweats. Here you go. Thanks a lot, Andrew. See you later. He told us that story. But was there any – did you have any interesting negotiations with anybody? Did you re-up with the Packers how many times? Uh, Yeah, I re-upped – after right after the Super Bowl, right before the lockout happened, I, I signed a new like four or five year deal with them, and then I took a couple pay cuts with them in the the couple years after that. Oh, so they were like, "Hey, AJ, by the way, what we said uh, and what we need now, we need to yeah. potentially renumber." These I got guys. it. I get it. So I knew it was coming. I understood. I didn't take it personal. And so, see, for me, my first after the franchise tag, the deal that I was being uh, like negotiated or whatever. I wanted it to be at a price, and this is going to sound very interesting to people because you would assume that everybody just wants as much money as possible. I wanted to be at a price where if I had like two, three bad games that I wasn't potentially just going to be like, hey, this guy's cap casualty for next. Because there are some kickers and punters that come in and they like set the bar for how much money they make. 
Well, I'll tell you what. You just have one little drought. There will be a cap casualty conversation in our position to see you get out. So, like, finding that number where it's like you're comfortable, you're making enough money where you feel like your uh, your worth is being respected. But also, let's not get too much because, boy, there's either a renegotiation or a cut coming. Those things really bite people in the ass in my position. I, I didn't know that you had to renegotiate with the Packers a few times. That's like Tom Brady. It's all Tom Brady used to do. Yeah. What's, what's up, Tom? Uh, looking at the Mahomes deal, like the, at sporttrack.com, which has, like, break down all the uh deals so in 2022 if he's released it's uh 31 million dollars against the cap to them dead cap hit every single year after that it's two million dollars or less to the team if they cut him after what's that. all the money going into 2022 in that cap hit so uh so five million this upcoming season 25 million the year after 2022 is 32 million dollars so that's 62 million right there right if i just did mm-hmm. the math real quick so that's 62 million dollars I don't know if that's a guarantee, but I'm just saying if they cut him any year after that, it's only two million, two million dead cap. How do cap they work that less. out? How is it only two million in dead cap? I, well, that's what I, I don't know. know. I'm excited to see if this is one of those like uh, classic NFL contracts. Half a billion dollars, four million guaranteed. Half <laughs> a, that's how contracts always used to be. Yelling they from used the top to be, of yeah, their they lungs. They took most of that out. What's that? They definitely used to be that way, where oh. all the non-likely to be earned incentives were in there. Now that doesn't happen as much, but they can still finagle it a little bit. That's an interesting little sport track thing there that Diggs just pulled up there. That makes no sense how they negotiated that deal. Andy Reid and Veach, every, when we talked to Chris Ballard, who just got voted amongst all the other executives as the most trusted executive or something like that, the Indianapolis coach GM friend of the show, he talked about, I asked him, I was like, who who do you look around at at GMs and you go, uh, I can learn something from that person or whatever. He said Veach is a wizard when it comes to contracts and drafting and everything like that. So you put him and Reed together, I assume it's probably helping out a bit. Well, they... Hey, you're I getting blurry. Like I'm going to let you know. What? I'm almost getting seasick over here. <laughs> Every like <laughs> seven to eight seconds you get blurry over there. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. Um, but doesn't it seem like Patrick Mahomes, he is like it's a fair deal. They say in negotiations, you want both sides to feel like they reached a fair agreement. Like they both feel somewhat happy or satisfied with it. It seems like with Patrick Mahomes seems very happy with his supposed $500 million. And the Chiefs seem like they go, okay, we structured this thing. We made it work to where we can still fill out the rest of our roster. Anytime you see the player incredibly happy about the deal that they just signed, and then you hear people talking about how the player got ripped off somehow, that's probably a sign of like, okay, a deal is happy on both sides here. Like the $502 million price tag on that deal, I don't care how much you think it's potentially going to lose out on because they did such a long-term deal. Let's say they lose out on $50 million potentially, which is a lot of money. A, in a massive amount of money. But if you look at the deal and being able to sign for $500 million in the middle of a pandemic and a quarantine, I think that is a good deal. For If I am going from no money to $500 million over the next 10 years, I, I don't know how to say this. Like I understand that the stats and math and people can, on paper, what you say, if that's a good deal or a bad deal. But if somebody is agreeing to pay you $502 million and you don't come from a bazillion dollars and it's to do something that you're very good at and a lot of other people do it for a lot less and you'll be at the top of them, that's a good deal in my eyes. Like that is a, like $502 million deal is a good deal. Now, granted, this thing could be loaded with incentives that 
aren't attainable like you talked about how old school contracts used to be but god damn him getting a 502 million dollar offer the chiefs being able to keep their guy for long term i mean it does feel like this is a win-win but all these people i think who are bad at or maybe have never been a part of an actual negotiation and like maybe coming to an agreement from a business standpoint and their jobs are just to talk about things but they don't actually do said things. Like in a negotiation and in a business arrangement, like both sides have to give some things up. So what did Patrick Mahomes gave up? Patrick Mahomes gave up his future rights six, seven, eight, nine years from now, who he might be three, four times Super Bowl champion at that time, and the salary cap might be different, which I assume a renegotiation would be very fair at that point if the salary cap was the but that's what he gives up. And what do the Chiefs give up? The Chiefs give up a half a billion dollars over the next ten years. So it's like there is there has to be give and take in those things. And I think that gets forgotten about where they're like, this person should win this uh negotiation outright or this person should win the negotiation all right it's like that's not how business works like that is just not how things go about it and i think that i asked ian rapaport yesterday if the cowboys could have got a patrick mahomes chiefs like deal done with dak prescott would they have done it and he said they would have done that yesterday if they could i'm like is that something dak would have turned down then if they offer him 350 million dollars over the next 10 years like is dak going to turn that down that's an interesting that seems like Ian Rapport said they would do that if they keep from the price that they're saying they offered just extend that thing 10 years would that have got the deal done I don't know what's holding him up like honestly what is holding up Dak in the Cowboys like has Jerry said anything more publicly about this everybody said it's the five-year versus four-year five-year versus four-year Dak Prescott wants a four-year deal Cowboys want a five-year deal one year seems like I don't know. That seems like something in business that you could figure out. But let's say they doubled it to a 10-year deal, and it was worth $370 million, $37 million average. Would Dak have taken that? I would assume, right? I mean, $370 million on a piece of paper, that's going to be hard to say no to. Well, and it'd probably be like the same deal with Mahomes, too. He feels like if he's going to play well enough, then he's going to be able to renegotiate that when he originally wanted to, like why he wanted a four-year instead of a five-year deal. I I just think people forget about business as a lot of relationships, like – you know what I mean? And if you're just going in with war, 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 like that's inevitably going to be a problem as it was for Drew Brees and the San Diego Chargers and Kirk Cousins and the Washington Redskins. It's like that is not a good way to figure things out. That's why I'll be very impressed if the NFL and the NFLPA get this guidelines and health and safety and money thing finished in 13 days, which, by the way, Aaron Jones running back for the Green Bay Packers said he's been on a couple Zoom calls with the NFLPA and he was optimistic that they'll be in camp and ready to go. So that's a lot different than anything we've heard from anybody. But boy, I'm hoping so. I am too. And and it seems like the Oakley, the mask that covers your mouth and everything, that seems like a real thing that people legit think is going to be worn Who? right now. These are the same people that say in business a bad deal for somebody to get a 500. These people have never been a part of something before. There's no way that thing. Maybe the punters and kickers will be strapped up with those. Maybe. Yeah, punters and kickers can wear them. I, you shouldn't have an issue if you're a punter or kicker, but everybody else. First off, just wearing a visor over the top part of your mask is very difficult for some people. I know when I looked, it, just, it, it would take a lot of time for me to get used to that, let alone having it extended down to where it's covering my mouth and nose. Oh, they're like, oh, there's little air holes there. Okay, well, cool. Then COVID can spit out through these air holes. Too. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I forget who tweeted it. It was either, I think it was Andrew Brandt that tweeted it. The Oakley mask thing could be quite a topic of discussion when it comes to the rollback into football because the players are like, hey, player safety will not be compromised. 
then the NFL is going to be like, okay, we got these masks from Oakley that will help out everything and really get us to be able to do this. And the players are going to be like, we're not fucking wearing those. And they're like, well, I thought it was for safety. And then if they really wanted to, that could become a grandstand moment for both sides there. And like I've said here a couple times already today, 13 days until training camp is supposed to happen. That is not a lot of time to get these things figured out. Could the players come back and be like, yeah, well, breathing is also pretty big for player safety. Yeah, but then they're like, well, COVID, though. You don't want to breathe in COVID. <laughs> like, you got to remember, that will become... Now, I'm hoping that Roger Goodell knows that he's not going to be a part of another CBA negotiation 10 years from now, and it feels like Roger Goodell is potentially trying to change his image and trying to do things a little bit differently, and maybe that makes the NFL-NFLPA agreement here in the next 13 days easier. But if this is anything like the... CBA negotiations, the past two, or anything else when it comes to the NFL and NFLPA, there's going to be a lot of conversation for the next 13 days. And unless they're both willing to kind of go to work together, like the NHL and the NHLPA were, it was a spirit of cooperation, Pierre Maguire says, by both sides. Unless that is the case, which has not always been the case in these type of conversations, they do not have a lot of time. There's no time. That's the thing. And I think the mask thing, if it does, like, let's say the NFL takes a hard stance, like, Hey, every helmet is going to have this mask on, this new Oakley mask. We've shown, we've done a studies. It, it, it'll cut down the transmission rate 30%, whatever they, they claim it, it will do. I don't think it's something the players would, would take a stand and sit out for and be like, hey, no, this is a, this is a sticky point. You would think, okay, obviously I want to play football this year. If I have to wear this mask for us to play football, or if I don't wear it, we're not going to have a season this year. I would imagine eventually the players will give in. Aaron Jones said, I just want to play football. Like, and I think he echoes the sentiments of a lot of people. Now, granted, he's going into a contract year, so this is a very important year for Aaron Jones. But he said that he's he's planning on July 28th checking in training camp, and he just wants to play football. So that's a good message that's getting out there as opposed to like the normal in this situation. It's like, no, we're not doing unless this, this, and this. It feels like, like Pierre Maguire said with the NHL, a spirit of cooperation. But boy, oh boy, there's going to be some shit that pops off in the next 13 days. The good news is for all that stuff, though, they can kind of roll out a guideline to get back to work. And there isn't pads or helmets until like three weeks later. Mm -hmm. So they have 13 days to figure some stuff out. And then if they can agree to that, how we get back into this, then we do the OTA style, then the strength and conditioning, then the unpadded practice and the padded practices. And we'll figure that as we go, TBD, that's probably the right move to get back into it. Let's figure this out first, and then we'll figure that out as we go. Because then guys will be able to see it a little bit. They'll be able to try it out maybe in the locker room, or they'll ask guys to maybe wear during some walkthroughs, like how do you feel about it? And they'll be able to get a real sense of it. But there's going to be little things like that. As small as that Oakley mask is, that could become a massive conversation. As small as the timing of practice can be, that can become a massive conversation. What about where guys are staying? How many people can stay in places? I mean, there is a lot of things that have to get figured out. And I just hope uh, I hope they can figure it out. I hope they make it happen. What about just drinking water? You know how we've talked about, like, we hate when we guys sit there and act like they're in the middle of the Sahara Desert and they're, they're dying and they just open their mouth and trainers come and squirt water into their mouth. Yeah, exactly. With your hands and your hips like that. That's not going to be allowed. Like the, the new protocols, you're going to have to, everyone, I guess, maybe have their own water bottle. Is that going to be another thing they got to, like there's so many tiny details they have to work out, I feel like. Well, and then the trainers too, they have to have masks on. Equipment managers, they have to have masks on. Like what, are we getting tested every day? We're going in there like the NHL or you're not? Like there is. Hey, but the MLS made it happen. Hey, yeah, the MLS made right. it happen. Yeah. The NHL's making it happen. The Woo. NBA's made it happen. And unless they keep getting that bubble penetrated, which is going to be tough, I think, with humans down there and needs and, and wants. And 
you know, distractions and mm-hmm. being locked. Like, do you in. know how the how the perimeter of the bubble works? Like, is there like an imaginary line with guards, or how do they do it? No guards, I don't think. I think there's just an imaginary line. I, I mean, because the bubble is so large, there's golf courses, there's fishing ponds, there's numerous hotels, water there's, park. There's so all the NBA that. just took over everything. No, oh. there's no normal people anywhere. There's well, no in the Animal Kingdom, there are people, and I don't know yeah. how many trees away that is. That could be where they're trying to get the thoughts in through. To the, be honest the with park, you, Park Disney World is open to the public. So there's a lot of things. I don't know how. I don't know how. To be honest, I don't know how for 30, 35 days at least, at minimum, 35, 40 days at minimum, they're going to be able to keep that thing. Uh, clean, but they t- only two people tested positive down there. I guess they mm-hmm. tested everybody. Will those numbers be- remain? Hopefully, because I think that is a a case study for a lot of other sports on what's going to happen. The MLB is interesting, though. I think the MLB is much more similar to what the NFL could be as opposed to any other sport because the NHL is going into hub cities. The NBA is in a hub, in a bubble. The MLS is in a bubble. The MLB is working in their own stadiums. They'll be traveling around. I think they'll probably have eyes on how that works out too while training camp happens. So where's baseball at right now? Are guys at the facilities? What are we doing? Stadiums. They're at their individual stadiums. Like Toronto Blue Jays players were told, if you leave the stadium, it could be a $750,000 fine and jail time. I mean, fucking lock it up, boys. Stay in here. Swing the bat. Don't look at anybody. Don't even think about looking at anybody. Yeah, don't spit. Don't take a shower in here. Don't do anything. That's another. Like, Okay, so can NFL players spit on the field? That's the thing. Baseball, in their protocol, said no spitting. Bro, those bear crawls that used to have to happen on fields. Oh. And you're doing a bear crawl. You're not crawl. doing up-downs anymore. Hey, that's a great mm. thing. You can't do any up-downs right in the middle of the field. Oh, but there's nothing like just like, yo, I puked on this field, what, yesterday? <laughs> now we're doing bear crawls. I couldn't even fathom the amount of spit and tobacco and sweat mm-hmm. that's on here. And I'm just bear crawling on this turf that has obviously been cleaned out. I mean, of course. I, not only are your, your hands burning because the turf is so hot, but then you start, you're, and you're tired, and your legs are burning. But then once that starts creeping in, like, what am I touching right now? Then it's just like a misery of that entire thing. But, boy, there's going to be a lot of changes. A lot of changes. Have to. Can't do it. You know, the good thing, something that may come from this, Pat, maybe we'll just get rid of mouthpieces in the NBA and in the NFL. <laughs> since it seems like every NBA player wears a mouthpiece. Now NFL players, hopefully because of all this, a new protocol, hey, that, that really transmits a lot of stuff. We do, let's just take mouthpieces out of it, get all that saliva that you don't even have to worry about that. You have to be the only NFL analyst in the history of NFL or football saying, "Hey, just ban the mouthpiece. Just fucking get rid of it. It's a problem." If you want to if you want to be safe, ban that mouthpiece. You'll be safe on multiple different levels because of that. Go on. What's the other level aside from COVID? Well, A, COVID, less transmission of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, B, your brain health is going to be so much better because that's a that's garbage science that the the mouthpiece <laughs> will protect you from concussion. So, it's a twofer, as they say. I didn't wear a mouthpiece. Felt like a real G. What'd you have? Just one of those basic little tiny ones? No, I didn't wear them. I stopped wearing a mouthpiece when I was 19. It was the greatest decision oh, I ever made in my life, probably. Wow. Wow. 19. Those refs didn't care to check your mouth to see if you had a mouthpiece in? Wow. That's crazy. In college, you mean? In NFL. NFL, you don't have to wear a mouthpiece. There's like 40% of people wear mouthpieces. I'm pretty sure you have to wear a mouthpiece. don't wear mouthpieces. Never a lot your of them don't. Aaron wears a single strap with no mouthpiece. I, there's plenty <laughs> of quarterbacks that Aaron don't wear Aaron freaking Rodgers. <laughs> I always thought you had to at least appear as if you were trying to wear a mouthpiece. Like some no, guys would just to wear, leave it in they the made them air in your mouth. The stupid knee pads. The oh. dumbest rule ever. Hey, I never had to do that. Shout out to You're the exempt. NFL's rules saying kickers and punters don't have to wear anything on your legs. I was very thankful because I got massive legs, obviously. Let's show them off. Let's not hide them with little stupid pads that aren't going to do anything. <laughs> 
Yeah, they claim those little knee pads were to cut down on uh, concussions when people's knee, if their knee hit somebody's head. Oh, so you do not, you're not required to wear a mouthpiece in the NFL. It is advised due to the ability levels and strengths of NFL players. So when quarterbacks are sacked, they may clinch their teeth together and knock them out. I didn't know knock that. Knock your teeth out. Not, not saying knock, your, knock yourself out. Knock your teeth out. Neither. Huh. Uh, yeah. I'd much wrote- rather knock my teeth out than my brain go blank. Absolutely. So let's go back to your garbage science thing. You're saying <laughs> mouthpieces because the UFC, I think they force them to wear mouthpieces oh, yeah. as well. well yeah, right? So they don't get their teeth knocked out because they're getting punched directly in the mouth, Pat. That's why. <laughs> yeah, but I was told that mouthpieces, it saves my jaw from biting into each other and potentially causing a concussion. Hey, Joe. Bite your tongue off. That yeah. makes sense. Hey, that science does make sense when you see it. When you see it in writing and they show the diagrams they say oh all this it dissipates all that energy when you clench your teeth i'm like yeah it makes sense it doesn't work but it makes sense on paper what you're saying <laughs> because you're saying that with a mouthpiece it makes you actually open your jaw up a little bit more which gives you a bigger button and maybe a little bit of a looser little uh little pool there maybe and it makes it a lot more difficult to breathe difficult to talk you're taking that thing in and out of your your mouth all the time sticking in your 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 uh, face mask or you have the big dangly deal with the lip guard on top of it yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I think if you want to wear a mouthpiece, great, do it. But don't feel like you have to. Hey, listen to that, kids. That's a, <laughs> that's a Super Bowl champion linebacker, mm-hmm. A.J. Hawk. Fifth right overall there. pick. So I, mouthpiece um, helps, helps you not get your teeth knocked out. That It 100% helps with that. You got a good girl. I got small little teeth. It's because your jaw takes up half your face. Is that because you lost some of your teeth from helmets flying around? Because you never wear a them every time you make a tackle. It's because I chipped off a, a decent amount of them when my teeth would bite together when I'd hit people. Oh, <laughs> they clenched together. Yeah, okay, that is exactly. I right. cracked my. Uh, yeah, I had like three years worth of uh, root canals when I got done. <laughs> Jeez, but worth still it. out here. Worth it. Still out here campaigning though. Fuck right. it. I don't need Definitely. it. I thought Definitely I bit my. Uh, hard. I thought I bit the tip of my tongue off one time. Ooh. College, I forget who we were playing. It was freezing, absolutely freezing outside, though. And I didn't wear a mouthpiece in college or whatever. And my hands had gone numb at this point. It was, I think it was third quarter. I kick off, since it's so cold, isn't a touchback. Returner comes out, okay? Ball gets bumped out. I go dive in because I think I can get it, okay? Somebody hits me, top of head, helmet. I get in scrum, okay? I end up not with the ball, by the way. Okay, so everything could go wrong, does go wrong. And I I feel like a little pain in my on my tongue or whatever. And I go to grab it and I can't feel anything. I thought I had no tongue. Like, I thought I lost my fucking tongue. So I was like, oh, my God. Like, I get to the sideline. I go to my friend. I'm like, Eliah. Do I have a tongue? And they're like, oh, you're bleeding. My tongue was bleeding. It had an entire, like, uh, like a teeth couple marks, teeth yeah. marks all the way around it. Yeah. I thought I lost the son of a bitch. It swelled up a little bit. I couldn't breathe. And I was like, you know, I'm going to start wearing a mouthpiece next game. And then I just never got into it. I never, <laughs> ever got into it. But I, I thought I lost my damn tongue. Couldn't feel That's it. That's a scary. It's scary. But the que- I, what scares me is that part you said when you went diving in and someone hit the top of your head and jammed it down. Like, how did your brain feel? What's that? How did your brain feel when you got hit on the very top of your head as you're diving into a pile? I thought I lost my tongue. I, to be honest, the brain wasn't even – the brain didn't. I didn't even think about potential broken neck or paralyzed or anything like that. I, the only thing I thought of is I can't talk. I'm going to be talking like this for the rest of my life like I'm the kid from fucking Christmas story. <laughs> that's all, on the field, as I was jogging off, that's all I thought of was that kid with the big thing stuck on his – I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is this my life now? It was not. Uh, <laughs> 
thankfully. But that was tough. My thing did swell up, though. So I was talking with a little bit of a lisp for like three, four days. So. That's all right. Look good on film, I bet. I think I kind yeah. of fell in. It was, you know, I went for it, which yeah. I think people appreciate. The, yeah. mm-hmm. the effort. There was one. Those scrums. I mean, I've only been in a couple of them at this point now. One against, I think, the Cowboys. There was one I got in there. And I actually, I came in late. So on film, full scrum, after a kickoff, same thing, fumble, full scrum. I come in late to the pile, but I start working my arm in, and I get my hand on the ball. So I was like, oh, shit. Like, I I came in late, and I did it strictly for, I don't want to say, like, comedic film the next day. Yeah, but I was like, I, I think like I want to be in one of these. I've never been in one of these. Let's see how it goes. So I come diving in late, and I start like moving my hand around the pile, and I get my hand on the ball, and I'm like, fuck. Now what am I supposed to do, right? Like, so there's like two people potentially laying down in between us, and I have a ball, and all of a sudden I start getting like punched. Like I start feeling my arm getting punched. And I'm like, I should not be in here, but my hands. Are, I thought there was a chance I was going to be able to win that thing, and all of a sudden out of the bottom of the pile, number one, Pat McAfee comes up with the ball but instead guys somebody took my fingers in there and started like bending them back and i was like get me out i like pulled out and i like got up they obviously kept the ball it was nasty in there it was disgust i i got bruised on my arm i thought they were gonna try to break my fingers in there but i almost got it i felt like i almost got the ball were you the guy that was doing the finger breaking in those scrums i would assume that was you no, I never really had to do a whole lot of that, but I've, I've been in a ton of those scrums. And I mean, how you describe it's perfect, like, especially if you can get near the ball. If you get your hand on the ball, like, okay, don't think it's like an innocent, okay, cool, I'm free. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab the tip and start to rip this thing out. No, the second that somebody sees your hand on the ball, you're going to be getting elbows dug into your <coughs> kidneys. You're going to get everything possible, things jammed into your orifices that you don't even know who, where it's coming from. Like, it's true. They always talk about, oh, it's crazy in those scrums. Yeah, especially when there's O and D linemen down there, because you know how they like to go back and forth all game. You get down there in those scrums, you start seeing what's being said and what's done, and like, wait, what is this? Why do I have like two? Feels like knives in my back. And dudes are <laughs> drilling elbows down, trying to trying to split your spine in half. I'm like, man, I don't know. You have to you have to second guess it next time you want to jump in there and try to go after the ball. I had never. There was a chance I think I could have gotten another one, and I. Uh, I opted out, Doug. I was, listen, that, I think that one's already long gone. But the fact why, that I hey, got why did they change the rule that why did you change the rule that I can't stand outside the pile and pull guys from their legs and pull? Them I think off? I think people started fighting mm-hmm. a lot. I believe, and it also did they, someone get hurt though. Did one person get hurt bad or something? I think it that? was whenever they started with the um, the horse collar shit. Remember, they started yeah. enforcing the horse collar very very hard because people were getting tackled by the horse collar and their knees were coming out. It's amazing that the horse collar was ever allowed. Like oh. I played in the NFL when the horse collar was allowed. Roy just Williams snagged that thing. Yeah. And just, I mean, mm-hmm. people's knees just had to get blown out for that. How but I think, the world? how did they not ban that earlier? I yeah. guess. Well, there's a lot. There of was stuff. a lot of science back then. Hey, <laughs> science didn't exist. You know, it was just like, uh, don't wear your mouthpiece. Don't worry about it. You won't have to do anything. Type mindset in there. But the horse call. I think whenever it started, they tr- try to make the game safer, player safety. I think that's when it happened. They were like, we can't. And you weren't even allowed to dive in the pile anymore. Remember, like, because you're taught as a football player. If there is a scrum, you get your ass in there. Like, you you are in there. You never know what's going to happen. Nobody knows whose ball it is. The more we have in there, the better than they have. Then all of a sudden, one day, it just stopped. They're like, "Don't you're not allowed in there anymore. It's a 15 personal, a personal foul if you get in there late, unsportsmanlike conduct. And then people started pulling people out. They're like, well, if I'm not allowed in, I'm going to get people out. Then they made another rule. Not allowed to pull anybody out of the pile anymore. It be, be, the pile became a little bit different over the years, but it still gets nasty down there. It's just guys, not as big. It's not as big now. 
Do you think that also because the players know there's like 18 cameras on the pile that they can't be shoving fingers up orifices and stuff like that anymore? They'll get caught on camera. No, I don't think players care about that. Hey, the ball, the ball, the ball. Any any team you go to, rule number one is the ball. We either keep it or we steal it. That's what we're trying to do. The ball is the game. And in those scrums, it's legit. Anybody can end up with this because those refs have no idea. Sometimes those refs call it early for somebody, and I'm like, how the fuck do they know? How? Because you see a ref like just look down yeah. this way. It's like, how How do you know that's whose ball it is? Because I think they were told to maybe make a quicker call too so people would stop fighting under there because kind of give up a little bit of hope. A scrum hurt us in the Super Bowl. That onside mm-hmm. kick, ambush. Mm. I guess it was a little bit of scrum. Allegedly, people on our team said that they heard them say blue ball. Or whatever for the Colts, the ref, one of the refs said blue oh. ball in that scrum, and then obviously everybody knows Saints ended up with it. Oh, they score, and then the oh, game turned no. around quickly. Hey, who was it? Was the college game? Was it Clemson, Ohio State? When uh, some guys on Clemson defense made a tackle, and both of them like checked the oil of the running back and jammed their fingers uh, right so. up his ass. Or oh their, yeah, yeah, they did like the credit card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they did a. <laughs> That was right out in the open. They didn't care. That wasn't even a, a scrum. That wasn't like so. Huh, players just, don't care. Just playing ball. Just trying to figure it out. Just playing ball. Just Did you ever end up with a ball? <laughs> Were you a guy at the bottom of the scrum that had the ball? Numerous yeah, occasions. Yeah, and it's it's a it, it feels like an eternity if you do have the ball and you're under there and they know. A lot of times when you're in the scrum, you can't find the ball and you don't know who has it. So if I had the like whenever I had the ball in the scrum, I'm trying to not let anybody know I have this thing. Like, I'm trying to fake, like, I'm going for a ball, too, and sitting on top of it and just like, man, get me out of here. Have the ref call me. Like, I'm going to fake like I'm reaching for something or fake like I'm elbowing someone on my team. I'm, as I'm winking at my buddy, I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to, man, because those dudes are monsters. There's always O-linemen. And O-linemen, they're so big and strong, they could just rip my arms off and take the ball from me if the ref doesn't get in there in time. Well, especially at the weight you're at now. Ooh, look at this. Yeah, there's the butthole finger. <laughs> Let me go ahead and check that out real quick. It's probably it. Christian Wilkins. He's hilarious, man. Hey, yep. sometimes you just got to check the oil. You know what I mean? See what's going on, Don. mask guy. Probably with a little ankle twist there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little Kurt Angle. <laughs> a little ankle break on that thing. Um, when I did the onside kick to myself, I thought I was going to get killed. I thought that was going to be a scrum on top of me. It should have been. I agree. And if you see me, if you watch the video back, I lay there and you actually see me with the ball go, oh, no, oh, no. Because I thought it was just going to be two helmets directly into spleen on my back as soon as, like, as, soon as I laid there. Yeah. And turns out, didn't even get touched. No. Didn't even get touched. <laughs> that was maybe, I was so pumped. I was like, okay, I don't have to piss blood and we got a ball and I didn't even get touched. Let's get out of here. Thank God. When I watch that, I get scared for you. Even though I've seen the outcome, I get scared for you. I'm like, oh, this dude's going to get annihilated. There's Turn your no, back. Like, the, you executed it beautifully. Like That's very, very difficult to do. But the fact that you didn't get two to three helmets all over your back and neck. Yeah, you, you, you see me whenever I lay down. Literally, you could, I go, oh, oh, my God, it's about to come. But let's just hang on here. Let's just hang on here. And then nothing happened. And then my teammates picking me up. And I almost come out of, like, in disbelief. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> what? We did it. We did it. Oh, what a moment. Yeah, because I'm not tough enough to take that. They didn't even touch me, though. The guy did, like, two hands on my back. I was like, thank you. What <laughs> a gentleman. How mad are those? How mad is the special teams coach in Houston for his front line guys that bailed early on you? Did you? So they cut to him in the clip, mm-hmm. and he goes uh, very, very openly, "Fuck 
me. They, <laughs> like, they, 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 they show the clip, they show me get tagged down, and then they cut to him on the sideline, and he very clearly, I do a bow, obviously, once I stand up, they very clearly goes, fuck me. And it was, I felt terrible. Guy's a good guy. Guy was a very good guy. I felt very, very bad about it. Very, very bad. I've played, I played that, that front line right in front of the ball on kickoff return, and they always like, They'll drill it into your head and do not leave early. They're going to take advantage of it. I assume you saw those frontline guys leave early in weeks before that. So we kicked an onside kick to the right, and we've kicked one to the left. So they actually had their hands team out and had nobody in the middle. Mm. So they actually had nobody in the middle. And either a week prior to that or two weeks prior to that, yeah, so they got Jeez. nobody near in front. So they got everybody Did lined up. Did you make up. the call on your own here or yeah. to go middle? Yeah, this was uh, this was very much a check with me here. So if you look to the right there, they were getting ready for an onside, potentially to right. This was the year that we were just kicking surprise onside kicks all the time. Like, it was awesome. And to be honest, because we were doing that, everybody had their hands team out for us every single kickoff. This is what the rules are now for kickoff return because they actually studied our film on how many injuries happen because it's more like a punt return because the kickoff return is running with the kickoff team as opposed to setting up way back there and going. That's what we faced all year. That's why my touchback percentage, I think, was the highest in the history because there was nobody to set a block. So if I just got that thing one yard in the end zone, it was going to be a touchback because they knew that nobody was able to block anybody because they had their hands team out there. But we kicked one right. We had kicked one left. So they had nobody in the middle of the field. And actually like a week or two before that, because we kicked one right and to the left, I told Tom McMahon and Chuck, I was like, hey, if there's nobody in the middle, can I just kick it to myself? And they were like, nobody's going to do that, obviously. But if that happens, yeah, like almost like shit talking. Like if they do that, you can do it, right? And I'm like, okay. So we hit the first kickoff, and I go over to Tom McMahon, and I'm like, hey, there's nobody in the fucking middle. There's nobody in the middle. I'm going to do it or whatever. He goes, if you call it, you better get it. And if you don't, just go ahead and walk right off the field. <laughs> and I was like, you got it. So the next time came out there, I looked at it, and I had a sign for our two guys. I would hit my thigh, my hamstrings. If I tap my hamstrings twice, just stay the hell out because they would roll in for the coverage. They just stayed out there the whole time, and boom, wide open. I mean, it was just uh, it was a pretty cool little moment. So did they know, though, you're, the guys, <clears throat> the kickoff team with you, they knew you were kicking in the middle right right to yourself. Were they going to come in as reinforcements and try to knock guys off and not let them hit you? Kind of, but it wouldn't have happened. Like in the huddle or whatever beforehand, we call the whatever the call is. It was probably uh, maybe deep right or whatever it was. And in the huddle, I say, hey, if I hit my hamstrings here, just stay the fuck out. Because there's one guy on the right and there's one guy on the left who are like leading the run. I think it was Colt Anderson, uh, the Montanimal, and I think it was Boom, maybe Boom or or Luchez Pure Four. I forget who it was on the other side. And basically, I told him like, "Hey, if I hit my hamstrings, just stay the hell out." And boom, boom, hamstring hit. They just stay out there, and then they come running in afterwards. Obviously, but yeah, I come to the sideline, and Tom McMahon's losing his mind. Obviously, he's pumped up about it. Chuck's like, "Are you kidding me?" And then we have a guy named David Thornton, who's like the player personnel guy, player development guy. And he he's plays. like, "I remember him as a player." Cool dude. One of the best dudes I've ever been around. He works out, I think, five times a day. <laughs> Just absolute monster. Hasn't done legs in probably 10 years, but he comes up to me and goes, stay humble, stay humble, stay humble. And I say, it's going to be fucking hard, DT. And I take my helmet off, and that's right when the camera comes on. I mean, it was, it was, that's a cool moment. That's primetime television too, you know? So that type of stuff is, it doesn't happen a lot. It don't, you don't really no. get that. They did that in rugby last week. Were they yeah. chirping on their Ooh. side? 
No, it was very frustrating. I mean, we were a problem for kickoff return. I mean, it, we were yeah. a problem. We were we were kicking so many onside kicks that people were scared to death. I mean, they, they, that's a turnover. That's an interception right yeah. there. We were running fake punts. We were running onside kicks. I think I had like Quick five, six turnovers, too. if you count them as that way in Quick one season. Quick two possessions to start the game. Yep. Bingo. Here we go. We're off and running. I mean, it was a lot of fun. And when you have a coach like Tom and like Chuck that are like, hey, let's go for it, it's so awesome. Because all those things, if they don't – you know, work out, boy, you're setting your team up in a terrible position. And you got to really <laughs> yeah. hope everybody's on the same page. There's a good chance if you don't get that, that uh, your defense, the whole defense is pretty mad at you. The whole staff, the, the defensive staff is really mad. The offensive staff is mad as well. And the chances of you getting that onside are probably like 7%. To, for you to kick it onside and get it yourself. Maybe less than that, honestly. It probably might less. less. It's probably less than that. It, the colleges, colleges pull it off more because they don't have as much speed. The reason why that's tough is because the amount of speed in the NFL. Like, guys, you have to measure, okay, that guy is 22 yards off the line of scrimmage right now. This ball has to travel at least 10 yards. Can he get 12 yards before I can get to 10 and a half yards? That is like, uh, that is the math equation that you have to do. And in NFL, there's so much speed. It's like you're, I don't know. Uh, I think somebody did it last year, I believe. Maybe. I don't you know. You have to kick a perfect ball, though. Oh, yeah. Young Ho? Young Ho, did Young Ho did one? Young Ho might have got it. I don't know. But yeah, I never kicked it that good, by the way, in practice. I mean, that thing just stopped right at 10 yards for me, basically. In practice, it was like I was sprinting and it was like hopping up next to me and I was like grabbing it. I was like, oh, yeah, no problem here. No problem at all. And then the one in the game just died perfectly. J- like, Jason Sanders. Jason Sanders for my Dolphins, yeah. Good for him. Good for well, him. with their setup there, though, the Texans, when they left nobody in the middle. The players, sure, like you can try to blame the players, but it's ultimately on the coach there. When you, if that's your setup, like I, I played front line, and I know I've had people surprise on side me where I left a step or two early, and I, it happened because for eighty-five other kickoff returns, I left a little bit early. I started to leave a little bit early, and then you get com- comfortable doing that, and then boom, someone bunts one at you. Oh, we're just but, watching that too. What? Just you? We're what? Hey? Oh yeah. Hey, the right guard up here on the front line right here, AJ Hawk, fifth overall, fifth overall pick right here. They got him in here just like so he can earn his stripes or whatever. He hates it. Look at him. Look at you. <laughs> you are three feet away from the ball, and he's already turning. If we need one right there, is the guy you need to go to. Yeah, you guys will single him out real fast. I know you will. I, I remember my my freshman year in college, we were playing against Miami. It was a national championship. And I was like, all right, first kickoff of the game. I'm on front line, right by the ball. I'm like, I'm not, not going to leave early, man. I got to, I got to stay with it. I'm not leaving early. All of a sudden, I sit there. I watch the kickoff. This is the start of the game. I watch him kick it off. I'm like, okay, cool. It's deep. I turn around. I take off. I sprint back. I'm already 40 yards. And I turn around, and the guy I'm supposed to block is like 30 yards past me, already tackling <laughs> the ball carrier. And so I was like, all right. I left about. I was about 80 yards deep then when when the kicker would get to the ball the rest of the game because I was like, these guys are too fast. I can't keep. I can't get back there. And then. I'm, we turn around after that first kickoff. I'm talking to my buddies, and they're like, "Hey, did you get your guy?" They're like, "Hell no, I didn't even see my guy." <laughs> <laughs> so all of us just had to leave early. Hey, those special teams guys, you got some freak athletes on there, especially down to you or whatever the guys that Ooh. maybe couldn't make the starting, the backups there that were just freak Running athletes, like a four-two-five right past you, and they're Wheels. super physical. And you're, geez, man, why isn't this, this guy's the best football player I've ever seen? <laughs> <laughs> it happens. I um, after I made a couple of tackles, and we kicked a couple onside kicks. Tom McMahon every single week was scared that they were going to send a guy 
So I kick yeah. off, guy doesn't turn, just comes right at me, basically. Like, to get me rattled or whatever, you know? So, mm-hmm. like, opening kickoff, Tom would be like, whatever, and he'd be like, let's go, baby. And then he'd be like, eyes up after you kick, by the way. Eyes up after you kick, because it was always a fear that I would kick one, I'd have my head down still, and as soon as I lift up my head, there's a guy there potentially to take me out. And uh, there was a couple times I thought a guy was going to come kill me. I laid a guy one time, Woo. felt really athletic about See that. Ya. And then there was one guy that just danced with me, and I was very thankful because he could have. I mean, he could have if he really. Are they allowed to do that anymore? Are you allowed to go pick off the kicker? No, they changed that rule because it wasn't just the kicker that was getting picked off. Like we did it to the Broncos, and I felt terrible about it. They had a stud on uh, special teams, and he was making every single play for their kickoff team, their punt team, everything. So we just had a guy. As soon as the kickoff happened, okay, you just get him from the line of scrimmage all the way down, and it ended up being a big collision. Guy got hurt, oh. I think, for the game or whatever. So he didn't get hurt like for the rest of the season, but I think for like the quarter or whatever. And we thought for the rest of the year then somebody was going to send one back at us like because we did that. So now it's like, hey, hey, it's fucking like baseball. I, what's that? It's like baseball when you hit their guy. Like, hey, someone's getting – all right, one of us is getting hit next inning. And in the special teams – that's its own individual war going on between special yes, teams between coordinators. Two, the special teams coordinators are always oh. absolutely crazy. Roller coasters of emotion throughout oh. the week, and especially on game day, they drank 87 Red Bulls and 40 cups of coffee before and during the game, and they're just running up and down trying to herd cattle trying to get, <laughs> to get 11 guys on the field. <laughs> yeah, that's mitt, mitt's, mitt's like that is an accurate statement that is what my father's been like for 20 years now <laughs> that is exactly what it is it's awesome that's though. every that's every special team that's why special teams coaches are awesome because they're always like good fun dudes but they're all crazy and they all have a weird manic energy love ball oh. and they know how to bring all these guys together it's, just, it's such a tough job you're coaching a bunch of guys who don't want to be there who think they should be starting on offense or defense and you've got to make them go run 80 yards down the field and try to try to Olay guys or try to take on a blocker and then make a tackle. Like all of it, it's real tough. It, it is. Honestly, I give those guys a ton of credit. The well, special teams coaches that are good, I give them a lot of credit. You said those guys all think they should be starting. Their entire lives they've been starting. Their entire lives yeah. they've been stars. And it's like, now I need you to pass that for a punt. It's like, I'm not on a fucking punt team. I'm, I'm the guy. It's like, well, right now there's about four other guys that are all older and richer and better than you. So you want a pass set here or do you want to get out of here? And then it's like, well, now we got to teach them how to properly do a pass set in their 21st year of football, potentially. It's like it is an insane thing. The fact that it even happens is wild. Let's pivot to defense, though. Let's talk about defense. We talked about the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs are primed for a dynasty. We all know that. Everybody's talking about it, including the players on their team. The way they're setting up contracts, they want to do it. Patrick Mahomes released a video the day he signed this massive deal and said, we're preparing for a dynasty here. That's what we're trying to create. They're paying everybody. Boom. In a couple years, two of their offensive linemen are going to be up that are very important to their offensive line. And I think their offensive line is kind of an underappreciated part of that entire Kansas City Chiefs team because they're able to have open backfield. They're able to not even have to chip some players. Now, granted, they're offense opens up the defense a lot but if they have one or two weak offensive linemen does that change the entire kansas city chiefs completely and how do they pay everybody that they're going to potentially need going forward so what mitchell swartz they're gonna to have to pay him next year i think one of their linemen it is, the thing is um mitchell swartz is in 2022 okay so as well as yeah, eric fisher if there's one or two weak links, you know that, Pat. Like, you know from watching special teams. Like, say you saw me in the front line, like, all right, we need an onside. We're going after this dude. He's leaving early. You do the same thing if you're a D coordinator, if you're a defensive guy. 
especially if you're trying to rush a passer like Patrick Mahomes, you're thinking, what's the easiest way we can get to him? Well, there's no easy path, but we're going to go after whoever their weak link is. So if they have a weak link, especially a guy like Pat Mahomes, I want to get pressure on him from the from the middle. I want to try to push the pocket, make him not ever feel comfortable, have to look over top of people, do all that. So you need to find a way, like if you can see between their two guards and their center, if you can find some kind of weak link between those three guys and just work it all game long and always make Pat Mahomes uncomfortable. So if you do, like you need to, uh, the best thing that the Chiefs could have is have like a cohesive unit that is together for a long time. They play, they start a ton of games together and they know each other well. And they don't even have to communicate. Like that's the ideal world when you're talking offensive linemen. The, the thought of... The defense isn't allowed to play a lot of games, though. Can't play a lot of stunts uh, with the way the Kansas City Chiefs offense is, though, right? Because if you bring an extra man, that means somebody's open. And Patrick Mahomes, I believe, is very good. You don't have enough time. You don't have enough time to run your little game to get to Mahomes because he's going to see it, boom, get to it like before you can even get to him. So it's it's almost like they need good, I don't want to say one-on-one blocker, but they need, they're going to face four probably every time, and that's it. They just need their five need to beat those four for that offense to operate, right? Yeah, pretty much. You do, and you need to bring. You're going to have to bring more than four at times. That's for sure. Four, five, and six guys. You'll you'll bring. You just got to pick and choose when that happens. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, when you think about it, though, it all comes down. A lot of it comes down to third down. You can, people have their different theories, like, oh, well, you have to win first down if you want a chance to win third down. Okay, that makes sense. Yes, it does. But when do guys get paid? Guys get paid on third down, whether you're an outside rusher, whether you're a lockdown corner, if you're a left tackle, if you're a quarterback. Like, what's your third down completion percentage? How do you keep drives alive? If you're, Are you a, a steady, reliable tight end that converts a bunch of third downs for your offense? Like, that's so gigantic. And you know on third down a lot of times what you're going to get. That's when teams play matchup coverage, and they may bring an extra blitz. They're going to man blitz, zone blitz a little bit, but usually man blitz. It's always third and medium, third and short. you got to find a way to get pressure and have big guys like Chris Jones on their defensive side, they can get his hands up and get in the throwing lane so there's no easy little balls underneath. The slot receiver role really came to be because of third down success rate. I mean, if you look back... And you can't hit them anymore. You used to be able to hit them and beat the hell out of them. They couldn't come across the middle. Now they get all the free access they want. Soft. Game's gone soft. Not my football. Not my football. Not my football. That's not my football. Uh-huh. It's fun to watch. Game's fun to watch, I guess. You want to score points. I like to see them score points, so I understand the rule. Hey, me too, by the way. Like, I know that it's terrible for defensive coordinators and defensive players. Like, the rules are you can't do this, you can't do that, can't touch here, you can't slow him down, you can't get in the way of the – and I understand that, but, boy, I enjoy seeing some awesome offensive plays happen. Mm-hmm. Bending that over, That's too. just a shame. I mean, think of Edelman in the Super Bowl. Edelman was Super Bowl MVP and absolutely was on fire. Like, he, they couldn't cover the dude. Like, they're trying to cover him with backers, corner, nickel, safety, whoever you put. It doesn't matter. The dude's just so good in the slot, and Tom Brady has so much trust in him. We will see. Does Cam Newton have the same amount of trust in Julian Edelman as Tom did? Okay, let's talk about Cam Newton. Did you see that video that he uh, Odell Beckham Jr. put out on his YouTube with him, Victor Cruz, Todd Gurley, and Cam Newton chit-chatting around a interestingly mm-hmm. lit table? I did not actually see the video. I saw like a screenshot of it, but I didn't see the whole video. So Cam Newton talked about how he was self-aware enough that when he heard the Patriots were interested to ask the question like, are me and Bill Belichick going to be able to work? And I think that's very interesting because a lot of people this morning on TV were talking about how 
that you see are, that's already a question that he shouldn't be asking because now he's trying to act as if him and Bill are on the same level and it'll work if you just do your job. And I understand. I agree with all that. But anybody who doesn't think that the head coach and the starting quarterback have to have a good relationship or be on the same page, I don't think they fully understand the way a locker room operates. Bill and Cam are going to have to be able to get along. And I think with this new Bill Belichick, I think they're going to be able to. He's got his dog doing the fucking draft. Yep. He's doing Subway commercials. He's winning Emmys. He very much understands that Cam is a different player. He said, well, we'll uh, strategize around his strengths. I, I think I think they're going to get along very well. But I like the fact that Cam Newton was like, me and Belichick? I don't know if this is the right move here. If I was a Patriots fan or I was someone out there, like you said, we're saying, oh, he shouldn't even be asking that. I'd, I'd go the opposite way. I'd say absolutely not. I'm, ex- I'm glad that Cam has that awareness Agreed. that he's saying like, yeah, this is the Patriots. We all know about like the vaunted Patriot way. And, and, you know, people talk about how it may not be fun. And my whole life, like, I want to have fun and put out good content. Can this work? I think it's awesome that he's actually thinking that far ahead. He doesn't just – he's not just a, an egomaniac that says, what do you mean I'm so good? Of course, Bill's got to like me. That's what, that's what it is, right? Like, no, Cam's actually thinking about it. He said 86 days he was unemployed, and he was asking his agent about teams. I assume the same teams that we were – Asking like yep. mm-hmm. the Jags don't want him. The Jags don't want him. No, Miami doesn't want. Him. No, Buffalo don't want. Him. No, Chargers don't want. Him. No, Bears don't want. Him. Like these are things we were asking. I assume Cam was potentially doing the same thing to his agent, and he said his agent would be like, "No, nah, they're not interested or whatever." Like all the teams. So Cam has this. I mean, he's got a list. He's got a list over there. Oh, he's, yeah. He tr- he crossed off everybody but the Patriots. Huh? Boy, I'm happy I called that guy, <laughs> <laughs> Billy Madison. Um, what do you think about Big Bill Belichick in the Subway commercial? Is he oh, he so he t- is he the next like Jared Fogle of Subway? Whoa! What the fuck? Don't see the face of Subway. Is all I'm asking. What's your problem? What is your problem? My problem. You're the one. You're the guy. You took it that way. I'm just. I'm strictly asking about the brand of Subway, not. In the subs, I'm not asking about yeah, what I mean. There's been a lot of other people since yeah, Robert Griffin. Fogel has Sorry. been incarcerated for. I know, but none of them have caught on as the face of Subway. Charlie Puth had a shot. Yeah, yeah. Paulo Antonono. Yeah, Justin Tuck. You ever heard of him? Okay. The Watts aren't the Watt brothers on there? Yep. Yeah. Oh, are they? Sure. Yeah, they are. Did you say they're Fogel like? No, Jeez. only Bill Belichick. Wow. Same outfit no, as Fogel. Right. Because none of them have stuck. No one's stuck as the head, the face of Subway yet. So I'm wondering if this is the new face. <laughs> I like that Bill Belichick has become this guy, though. Like, I love it. You know, a man who has obviously only focused on football for, what, the last 70 years of his life? Yep. Right? The fact that now he's starting to open up and, like, show a little. Like, I like this a lot. That, thought- that NFL Top 100 show. I love that show. Like I enjoyed listening to his brain. He was kind of like marking out a little bit to old historic football. Like it was cool to hear him. The Do Your Job documentary where he sits down and chats as opposed to what he does on uh, the press conferences. Then even this little thing, his dog, the interviews he's been doing. I mean, it's like we've seen a brand new Bill Belichick at this point, just like we've seen a new Roger Goodell. It's this is a whole different Bill Belichick 2.0 for the Patriots dynasty 2.0 continued mm-hmm. with a Cam Newton at your core quarterback we could see the best bill belichick of all time still just like we could still see the best cam newton we've ever seen before the opportunities are legitimately endless at this point oh they are i just when i saw these pictures of bill belichick doing a subway commercial i just instantly said to myself 
they had to pay this dude like five or ten million dollars. So much like, fucking. Money. It had to be one of those deals where he's like, "Well, it's too good to turn down, I guess." I'm like, I gotta do it. <laughs> Normally, I eat firehouse subs that are founded by firemen because their sandwiches are a little bit better and they got all the hot sauces. But if these motherfuckers are gonna pay me ten, fifteen million dollars to eat a sub that I don't really want to eat anyways, I will do that on a park bench wearing khakis whenever, <laughs> however the hell they would like us to. Did anyone else think it was on the set of like Force Gump? <laughs> I honestly thought it was like this is the next Forrest Gump movie and I was so excited I, it was somewhere in Boston wasn't it Connor oh uh, yeah I believe that's Beacon Street <laughs> nailed it <laughs> they already got their money's worth yeah they right by, by the, the way right 100%. By the Wilbur Theater, right in the Wilbur Theater over there in Boston hey, uh, I don't know if it's by the Wilbur it also might be on Newberry who knows I'm not sure Subway took a massive hit obviously when the whole uh, you oh, know yeah. their entire franchise uh, guy who's from Indiana which isn't good oh jeez did the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they try to bring them back the $5 foot long, but you have to spend $15 to get yeah. the $5 yeah. foot long first. You know, Subway has been me. in quite a, uh, what's that play? Purgatory. Yeah. They've been in quite a purgatory Ooh. since the situation. Maybe Bill Belichick, just like he did to the Patriots organization, takes him over top Subway's back. Here we are. BLT, BMT, meatball, tuna. Oh. Spicy Italian. Belichick does seem like a meatball sub guy. He feels like the meatballs would just fall out and get all over. How do people like meatball subs? I still makes no sense to me. Some pepperonis on those. One of the best subs of all time. No way. It's not a sub though. You're getting like not from not from sub. You are talking about Nick's favorite sub. Meatball subs all time. No, meatball subs are just terrible. You get one bite. Oh, let me get this bite of bread. Okay, thank you so much. Let me get this bite of meatball. This is because you Uh, don't like sauce. This is all it is. I don't like sauce. You're right, but I don't like not having a fucking meat in my sandwich either. If I wanted a bread sandwich or some meat, I would do that. Bread bread with uh, sauce is like the third best sandwich of all time. (laughs) He's not wrong. Yeah, like, I mean, think about how many people enjoy bread with sauce. I love sauce. So add a meatball in there. Best Us sandwich of all time. We'll dump our bread right in the sauce. Here. Just eat it. You yeah, don't count it. That's not a sandwich. What you're talking about is a, a pre-meal uh, uh, hors d'oeuvre type yeah, thing. Yeah, depending. That so now exact- you make that pre-meal hors d'oeuvre type thing into a sandwich. No. What meatball. you're making is something that's a waste of time, waste of energy, and a fucking terrible bite in every no. other bite. No. Meatball subs, no. worst subs of all time. No. Don't fuck. Don't want it. Can't no. have it. It's not even a sub. It's a waste of time and space. No. <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah, can't have it. You're right, man. I, I I would never order a meatball sub. Me neither. Come on. What do you do? Why not just get the meatballs by themselves and then you put them in a bowl and then order whatever sub you want on the side and then maybe put the bread on like a like a cracker. That's what you should do because that's what a fucking sandwich tastes like every other bite, anyways. It's it just is no. And then it gets saucy. It trips off the back. It's all. It's and the you worst. Call sandwich. yourself Italian. I like the Italian. Now the Italian sub is That's one I can get sub. around. You know why? Good sub. Every taste, good every sub. single bite has a oh, taste yeah. of oh, this is a sandwich. This isn't just stale ass bread with terrible marinara sauce on it. Looking for no. meatball meat. I mean, stop getting your meatball <laughs> subs at Subway. That's the first problem. Yeah, yeah Italian is no meatball. That's how this whole conversation started: is Subway meatball sandwich. Well, what about like uh, meatball ogie from some place? Oh, you know, nice still meatball hoagie. The ogie, then that bread's probably too big, anyways. You might as well just go ahead and eat a piece of toast, and then have a piece of meat every once in a while. Yeah, but for, they're loading it up with meatballs. No, and it's fresh bread. I can't mean, can't do it because the way bread. the bread is, well, you can't do it because then the meatball rolls around anyways. It's oh, a waste. No. Squeeze tighter. It's the worst yeah. sandwich of all time. Squeeze tighter, like big. Shouldn't be an option at places if they want to be a, a legitimate sandwich place. Leave that out. So, Connor, are you going to eat a meatball sub from Subway now that Bill Belichick endorses it? Every single meal, that's that's my plan. 
I mean, Bill I Belichick's meatballs. not eating a meatball sub bear. Yeah. It looks like he's eating a Philly cheesesteak. Which, by the way, good no. sub. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, might, it might be an Italian. Is that a real sandwich or is that a prop? It looks like roast beef. Hey, can you zoom in on that picture on the right seat? That is dark. Oh, uh, yeah, pull one He's got uh, pulled Zoom in on that guy. Kind of looks like roast beef. Yeah. I mean, any sandwich now from Subway is, you know, it's fair game just because Bill's the head By sponsor. the way, roast beef sandwich? An actual sandwich because there is meat in every single bite, basically. Meatball sandwich? Not really. It's a bread sandwich with every once in a while a side of meat. Bread with sauce. Unbelievable. Probably one of the best, you know, secondary sandwiches out there. I want ham on the BMT there for a while. The bigger, meatier, mm. tastier. Oh. oh, it's like an Italian on steroids over there. Black Forest? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, how did this production crew get the green light to film a commercial in Boston, in Boston too? too? Belichick. Anything Belichick needs to do, Still it gets cleared. He didn't have a mask on because it would be tough to eat any sub with a mask he on. He did in one of the pictures, though, when he's walking, he had one hanging like off his ear that he obviously had on before he got like, in that seat. I've seen a lot of people on camera have a, mic, uh, a mask on and then shots of them off camera not having masks mm. on. It's all about the optics. Have you done the show in a full mask before? Yeah. We're socially distanced here. Yeah. Zito did for a day. Yeah. We're socially distanced here. It was a mask. I was eating too yep. much. Our office was basically built to be socially distanced, which yep. is very nice. Perfect. Couldn't even right. do it if we I wanted. know you guys You guys definitely, when you leave the studio, you you stay six feet yep. apart, too. Yeah, yeah. well, we yeah. go out the door one at a time. It's, basketballs. it's like wedding meal serving. Like, table yep. one mm-hmm. will go. Yep. They yeah. go out. Table two goes out. And then we have the X's on the floor like the mm-hmm. stores. I know. I've been there. Be right before. I was actually there right before the COVID situation kind of hit. I don't. I'd rather meet up for COVID than a meatball. So. <laughs> oh. Shame on you. <laughs> They're so bad. Delicious. I'm happy I got that off my chest. I thought about that yesterday. Wow, I was watching him eat a sub that wasn't a meatball sub. I said, thank fucking God that Bill Belichick has a little bit of cooth. That might be an Italian. Yeah, it might be. That's like yeah. turkey ham. ham. There's yeah. definitely a turkey ham situation. Yeah. Looks like I know he loves turkey. Piece of bacon in there, maybe. There's quite the grip on the sub there, too. Well, that's, that's normal size for Bill Belichick. <laughs> that's twice, Connor. One more time, we're going to have an issue. What do you say? He keeps talking about Big Ben gripping penis-shaped uh, food items. <laughs> All I said was, Belichick's got the Ross Burger salami stranglehold on his sandwich. It's not a bad thing. All right. It's a good grip. That's you get under Peppies in the strip, you get a Roethlisberger. Okay? That is the show. It's a good grip. From all of us to all you, we can't thank you enough. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Listen, we've been talking about this for weeks. AJ took it to the golf course last week to train and warm up at the driving range. He was dialed in. You saw him. Everybody saw the picture. He had his wireless earbuds in from Raycon because they have a noise-isolating fit where he couldn't hear any of the bullshit from any of the other competitors. Now, the 19 people that lost to AJ, they refused to eliminate the distractions like Ray J did with his Raycon wireless earbuds, and that is why AJ is a Super Bowl champion because he listens with Raycon. Isn't that right, AJ? Yes, that is correct. And I actually got my two oldest kids a pair of Raycons as well because they've been asking about it, and they are in love. They love these things. You know what's good about the Raycon uh, E25 Everyday Earbuds is they come in a lot of fun and cool colors, which I assume your kids enjoy. Mm -hmm. And then they also send different size ear hole things to put on the end of it. For instance, AJ and I have weird ear holes. Things don't stay in my ear. It has been a lifelong problem. I normally have to have terrible headphones that have strapped around the whole thing. The Raycon 
wireless earbuds come with different size things to penetrate your hole. I got the ones that fit my hole perfectly in mm-hmm. here. They will have your size as well. They got AJ's kids' sizes in there while matching up with that big-ass ear that he has on those heads. Mm-hmm. This is all true. There's like They send you 30 different ear hole sizes, it seems like. I got a whole, you have a whole list of it. You could try them out for days. How do they make any money sending all those ear hole things? And they are half the price of other premium wireless brands. They care about the Good customer. question. I don't know, man. They just want they just want to put out great products, I guess. It was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop D O Double G, Cardi B, Melissa Etheridge, Brandy, and J.R. Smith are obsessed with Raycons. You can add AJ Hawk to that list of celebrities yeah, that are yeah, obsessed. Yeah. The compact carrying case can charge earbuds four times on a single charge. And unlike the other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet with no stupid ass dangling wires or stems. Isn't that right? That is correct. Great for video chats. Hey, you got a lot of video chats? Don't look like a stooge like all your friends that have the stupid wireless or the wires hanging out there. Maybe the stupid thing. Raycon's taking care of that problem while you're plugged in for a beautiful conversation. Uh, They sound just as amazing as the other top audio brands are in half the price. Raycons are great for working from home, working out, doing Zoom conferences. You get it. Listening to music or podcasts for hours. Without driving your roommate, significant other, children, or neighbors crazy. The Everyday E25 earbuds are the best model yet with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise isolating fit. It also comes in new fun colors. Go to buyraycon.com forward slash sports talk for 15% off your order. Bought to you by Raycon. That's buyraycon.com forward slash sports talk for 15% off your order. Shout out to Raycon. I don't know how they're making any money. They're going to be giving away the business right now. Half the price, and they give away, they give you all those options for your ears. I mean, it is. How do they do it? They can't be making any money. But hey, that's on them. We get to enjoy the benefits of it. 15% off buyraycon.com forward slash sports talk. AJ, anything before we go that you have to say to anybody? No, I think I'm good, except for I am I'm on board 100% with the meatball sub thing. I'm, oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I've never voiced that myself, but oh, you reminded me of my feelings towards that. I hate them. It's just sloppy and soggy bread, and like you said, no bite. Like Ugh. every four bites, you get a little bit of a meatball, and you might eat, grab the whole meatball in one bite. You might get a, a little sliver of it, but you're gonna have a ton of bread, and then all of a sudden, the meatballs what fall out the back. We don't have time for your sub to be deucing out meatballs at the back end. Oh, what do you guys eat your? Snacks? With what the blood marinade? You afraid to get your hands a little dirty? Jeez. No, but I'd like to just enjoy my sandwich you without eat wings. You cry about wings when you get a little sauce on your hands. Hold no, it from I don't the get back. a little sauce on my hands because I get them dry and then I dip them in the sauce because that is the cheat code. Whenever you're getting wings delivered, so they don't get all uh, disgusting in the box. Still gets on your hands. No, no, I actually do the uh, for the flat one. I saw that the internet yeah, no, started showing. I've been yeah. doing that for years. Uh, no big deal. Professional wing eater and then the thing, but no, the, the, it's a stupid sub. It's a great sub. It's a stupid sub. Great, great sub, sub out there. Great sub. What's that? Best sub out there. Listen. It's easy to make. It's delicious. Did you hear what it just shouldn't be a sub. said? Hard not be a sub. Filling. Why shouldn't it be a sub? It's in a sub it sandwich. Be, it's a meatball sub. Have, what do you mean it shouldn't be a sub? You can have mind. bread or you can have meatballs. I don't think you should combine them. I don't think so either. What? Because the shape of the meatball, by the way, is not meant to be in a sandwich. That's why it's so despicable. It's rolling around on a stupid flatten bread. Oh if you flatten gosh. it out and make it a patty of meatball. That's what I'm saying. Eating? That's why you don't go to those stooges at Subway. You right. go somewhere where they slice it diagonally Thank and then you. they stack your meatball. No, no, no. But yes. I don't like the Donato's, round top. Donato's Still, does it right. Yeah. Well, Donato's uh, does do it right. But I think they should slice the middle. <laughs> 
and just give me the middle. I would like the top, the top yeah. in the bottom yeah. of the meatball out of my fucking you sandwich. Throw them out? No. Yeah, I don't care. No. Get them away from me. I'm paying to eat. I'm paying to eat don't some do meat. That. Here. Not to the meatballs. <laughs> you elitists. I can't handle it. Yeah. No, oh, I've hated this since I was dead broke. I just want to throw it out. You should have seen just broke take the middle. I fucking hated it. I, I actually went into the What do you want to do? Just gather them all up in a garbage bag, dump them off for the poor's to eat? No. <laughs> leave them in the pasta. Put the meatball in the fucking Ooh. pasta. Don't make it a full time sandwich. Get it out of here. So listen. You can't have the stumps of the meatballs just laying around everywhere. <laughs> if you want to have a good sandwich, have the stumps of the meatball laying around everywhere. I'm tired of it. I would assume. I would assume that the YouTube comment section is on my side because they're civilized with big brains. Me and AJ are right. You guys are all wrong. Uh uh-uh. There's people on Twitter trying to cancel you right now. What? Meatball subs. I don't care. See you later to that group forever. <laughs> hey, cool glasses. Cool glasses. Cool glasses. Cool glasses. Cool, cool meatball sub. Uh, hot dog, by the way, is a sub. Oh, no. It is not a sandwich or anything like that. It is actually a sub mm-hmm. because the bread is connected. You see, if the bread was not connected, it would be a sandwich. Since the bread is connected, a hot dog is a sub. Very much more so than a meatball sub, which is barely a fucking sub. It's a terrible sandwich. Wow, I did not know that. Well, how about a hot dog sub on a hot dog bun? Be even worse. Well, that's even, even worse because then it squeezes the meatball out, and then it's like impossible. I mean, there's nothing good about a meatball sub. I go to a place oh. where there's only meatball subs. I know I hate the people that are running the event. <laughs> meatball sandwich. Maybe. These people stink. These people don't care if I'm if I have any enjoyment with my taste buds. Well, they don't. Rudy's used to work there. Favorite sandwich place of all time. Never served it. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. Can't do it. Sorry, Won't do it. More. We're out. See you later. Get pasta. I see meatballs back there though, sir. No, we're out. Nah. <laughs> Those That's are for the pasta where meatball's supposed to be. I think next time, Pat, you need to go to a subway, have Zito film this, and tell him, hey, just cut the middle out of your meatballs. I don't care what you do at the top and bottoms, but just cut the middle. You're going to have to cut about 600 meatballs just to give me enough meat to put on this so-called meatball sub, but it's going to taste great, and it's not going to flop out the back and get all soggy. Do we want to fix a meatball sub or not, Mr. Subway? Yeah. Mr. Subway, what are, we, what are we doing? Are we trying to fix Bill, this or not? Maybe Bill. they brought Bill in to fix the meatball oh, sub. The Bill Belichick is definitely strategizing on how to fix that trash nothing sandwich and make it better for the rest of the world. There's nothing to fix, boys. This is a meatball sub we're talking about. And think about it, the meatball sandwich might be pretty revolutionary. That's a hey, this that's a, do that's a cheeseburger, Connor. I think for next show, Pat, I think Connor should get a double double meat meatball sub, and he should eat it on air and show us how cleanly he can. No, eat it. okay, no Fine, single I'll do that meat. Immediately. Get the sandwich how it's supposed to be. Okay, yeah, I don't want a double meat. I want a single meatball sandwich so that you have to eat that trash bread bite every other bite with that thing, and then when it starts rolling out the backside like deer turds falling out of a thing, I want it all to happen. I'm too. I love Zito's trying to get free food out of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got you, bub. We'll make that happen. <laughs> I thought about that yesterday, so I'm happy that came up. I did not know, expect you all to be such meatball lovers. Oh, I do not know uh, people meatballs. actually like that sandwich. Well, I didn't see how it was possible. Kind of guys, you know? Meatball sub is the best. Mm-hmm. Meat, meatball sub is not a Rust Belt sandwich. <laughs> so it's the sub of the day. It's not a Rust Belt sandwich. It's a waste of space and a waste of money. Rust Belt people don't do oh, that. Oh, my goodness. I'm actually starting to wonder if you guys are elitist because you're just okay with buying a sandwich that is, what, one-third filled with meat that it's supposed to be filled with? I'd never do it from Subway, ever. I'd, no, you I'd can't. Eat, I'd eat a bullet before I can't got do a Subway. It meatball it's sub. like going to that drive through Italian food place. You can't do that either. That's hey. Fazoli's is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's, hey, it's, there you go. Good. It's Love not. Fazoli's. Try a meatball sub from Fazoli's. <laughs> It'll change your fucking life. Yeah. 
pretty good. He's right. It's pretty good. Out here in the Midwest, the Italians just never made their way out here, mm-hmm. right? So that is the Italians are a uh, tribal group, right? They're only going to stay around each other. <laughs> and there hasn't been many that have made their way out to the Midwest. And this was a slap in my face because I grew up around too many of them. So, like, so sorry. food was always an opportunity. Like, the, and then you come out to Indiana, it's like, no, no, there's no Italians out here. So I'm like, what Italian food do you guys eat? And they're like, Olive Garden. I'm like, okay, I love Olive Garden. I get it. Is there anything else? And they're like, yeah. Fazoli's. And I drive by Fazoli's, and it is a drive through Italian place. And I'm like, listen, I'm Irish. I am not going to disrespect the Italians by even going to this. So one year passes, two years pass. Then finally, it's the only thing open. I go to it. It was fucking delicious. Oh, it was my. very, very good. The piping hot breadsticks. Oh, it was very good drive through Italian. I grew up going to Fazoli's. Yeah. Huh? As always, is legit, man. You can't. I don't yeah. think you can knock it. You'll very find something legit. like that. You guys have clearly never sat down for Sunday sauce. So. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. Like you have to get past that and just understand. Can't do it. Won't do it. Yeah, you have to do it, though. Have to do it. I see here. it for always. I say, how you doing? Keep it moving. I mean, I respect they're just conning everyone out here in the Midwest who has no idea. But it's genius. Well, Nick loves it, and he's uh, he's an Italian man. Yeah, so. he, yeah, I, I, unlike Diggs, will accept what I can get when it comes to this. Well, that's because you're more Italian than Diggs. Diggs is oh, an Italian. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. oh shit. Oh, shit. Who's more point? Italian? Italian off. Italian off. Normally, I would say don't divide us like that, but he didn't really stick up for the meatball sub that much, so I'm kind of. He's oh. very quiet because he hates it, too, because he yeah. knows. <laughs> he knows. Don't Uh-oh. you, Diggs? Love the table. Love the meatballs. <laughs> what are you scared to pick a side? Are you, you think, are you're scared to pick a side on a meatball sub conversation. I, I cannot talk down on a meatball <laughs> in oh, any man. fashion. They stink. Stuff to eat though. I mean, it's it tough is tough to eat. To eat. Oh. A sandwich is supposed to be convenient it's, to eat. That's what a sandwich yeah. is. Bang! We're putting it in here. Let's keep it moving. This is a sandwich. You think back to the beginning of sandwiches? It's because they had a meal. They put it into one. It's easy, convenient, and fast to eat. Then you get the meatball sub. It's the direct opposite of that. And you're getting bites that have absolutely nothing in them. It's it is a disgrace to sandwiches. I was the meatball seven, sub. I was, I was easy ball. to eat. I was seven years old when I had my first one. I tried my second. Second one at twelve and never again. Yep, see that? That's a guy that knows what he likes and what he doesn't like. And what he likes is good stuff, and what he doesn't like is terrible things like the fucking meatballs that no. you guys like. That's the show. AJ, thanks for everything today. Good to see you on a Wednesday. Thank you. The greatest sports talk show on the internet from one to two recent standard time. So come on down for a mental vacation with the boys on the true It's McAfee and Hulk. McAfee and Hope Sports Talk AJ used to tackle quarterbacks And he's a Rust Belt kind of guy That's the punter of the decade for the 2010s Kicking pierce missiles to the sky It's McAfee and Hope It's McAfee and Hope Sports Talk It's McAfee and Hope Sports Talk Joining us now is a man who said he has a mountain on his shoulder because 50 NFL personnel didn't vote him into the top 10 running backs in the NFL. Then, just a couple days later, Madden came out and gave him a 90 rating, which is higher than Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if he feels disrespected or respected as a chip on his shoulder or is just taking a dumpy or a grumpy for a little bit. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, running back for the Green Bay Packers, stud Aaron Jones. Aaron. Thank you for having me. What's going on, Aaron? How you feeling, man? 
I'm feeling good. Thank you. I thought, and what about you? I'm feeling great. Thanks for asking. I, I, you know, I feel alive. I feel good. I thought you blew off our show. I was going to have to cancel you from my life forever. I'm happy that didn't oh, happen. Oh, no, no, no. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Hey, good man. Good yeah. man. Yeah. 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 Uh, first of all, how's the off season going? Obviously, insane times. What are the Zoom calls like? Have they been difficult to adjust to? How about workouts and everything like that? Uh, actually, they, they've been pretty good. Uh, our coaches keep it entertaining. Uh, telling jokes in it and it's just like being in in a regular meeting so um from that aspect you get you get everything you need you're just missing the chemistry part that you would have during otas and things like that um but training's going well i'm i'm enjoying it i'm gonna be ready when i step back on the field everybody says the game shapes a lot different than conditioning when you can run sprints but it feels like everybody's tired the first day of training camp regardless of otas regardless of there being a normal setup that first couple days of training camp kind of kicks everybody in the taint it feels like so is it almost like you're trying to stay in shape as much as possible knowing that whenever training camp starts you're probably going to be tired and exhausted anyways uh, definitely. I mean, I always say that uh, game shape is a different kind of shape or football shape is a different kind of shape than anything else, uh, whether it be basketball as well. When you, you condition it and you play basketball, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the same. So uh, it's going to take it takes a couple of days to get adjusted to. But um, I've been running, running a lot, so I feel like I'll be ready. Uh, contract year is always a big year for players. I mean, it is. People can act like it's just another year, but for players, we know that this is business time now. Hey, this is going to have to be my best self. With the way the old offseason has gone, with the lack of chemistry and being able to be around each other, how have you been able to stay focused? Like, hey, I have to have a massive year here regardless of what's going on around me. Uh, just know what's in store for me. Um, I'm always betting on myself, and um, I want to I want to be a lifelong Packer, so... Uh, don't say that yeah, don't, <laughs> don't say it. that don't say what you just say. If, if that's what you really want don't say it aaron said it to us day night of the draft and then obviously what happened happened so i don't want to be the the curse here so don't say that but i'm sorry go back to all right <laughs> you know what i mean, I mean <laughs> you get it you get it you get it oh uh, no but uh just just knowing that uh did my did my play on the field controls a lot of, a lot of things so um, just going out there and handling business. What was it about last year that really made you take off? Was it being featured a little bit more? Was it the offensive system? What was it that made you kind of explode onto the scene last year? Um, I think it was. I think it was both. Uh, I really the pre the previous two years I really getting wasn't getting featured as much um, or getting that feature role. And when Coach Lafleur came in, uh, he he made me the the starter and. Uh, I knew with that he he told me he liked to get the backs involved out of the backfield and get the ball in their hands. So I knew the opportunity would come, and I just had to make the most of it. What do you think about Aaron Rodgers getting an eighty nine Madden rating? What a joke, dude! What a freak. that's a big joke. I mean, look, look at his stats. I mean, we went thirteen and three last year, and just look at his track record. I mean. That doesn't make any sense to me. No disrespect to any of the other guys, but he's my guy. He's number one to me. I agree completely, by the way. Now, Patrick Mahomes is a, has a year that is unheard of, and Lamar Jackson's oh, captivating. Sure. But when you start looking at the other quarterbacks, and anytime you look at those Madden ratings, you're being graded on a 0 to 100 scale for the first time in all aspects. Awareness, sprinting, arm strength, 
uh, every you get speed, you're zero to 100. And I think that's why a lot of people are like, why do players care so much about their Madden rating and stuff like that? It's like, well, I'm literally being told by somebody that doesn't know football exactly how I am in every <laughs> single aspect of the game. And now millions, and millions of people are only going to know me by those ratings. You can see by why players get upset about it. Let's not talk about Aaron Rodgers and his 89 and your 90 on Madden. Let's talk about the 50 personnel not putting you in the top 10 running backs in the league you said you got a mountain on your shoulder because of it why is it do you think it's because last year you kind of exploded on the scene they don't know enough about you or you think they're just disrespectful to aaron jones in green bay um i mean i have no clue uh, i just gonna go let the the play on the field do the talking i mean i've the, my first two years i led the league in yards per carry and um, so i i think i think I, people knew who i was and um just it's just added fuel to the fire i did i got left out of the pro bowl uh no all pro selection uh not even one vote so um it's just added fuel to the fire and that the the mountain on my shoulder is getting bigger and bigger you and aaron Rodgers seem to be in potentially the same headspace which could be a very big problem for the nfc north thanks what do you got uh aaron it has been reported by pat that players are supposed to report on july 28th have you I broke that news. Have you heard anything about that? Like, are are they tell is the NFL PA is the NFL telling anything about players about what's going on and as far as reporting and stuff like that? Um, yes. So we're supposed to report the twenty eighth. Um, I I've been in a couple of the Zoom meetings with the NFL PA and the and the uh, they're just kind of going over the guidelines and what to expect, who can be in the building when. Um, but I, I as far as I know, I'm reporting the twenty eighth and. Uh, I'll be ready to go, I, and I expect NFL, PA, uh, they have our backs, and they've been doing a great job, so um, I expect them to get it right with the NFL and the Packers. Listen, if they put that thing as a bubble, okay, and you guys got to go into lockdown, I mean, that sucks for you guys, but we need the NFL. So, <laughs> okay, so the NBA players are getting Postmates delivered, trying to bring in thoughts and things. They, we, need to sh- <laughs> we need to shut that bubble down in Orlando, okay? We need the NBA. It sucks for you guys in there. So I call on everybody else to not show up. But have the guidelines, have they told you, like, are you guys going to be locked down in there? Like, no, fa- like what have they, have they even got to that point? Because publicly, we've only heard that there's some conversations happening have you guys been informed on what the guidelines could potentially look like uh we haven't been informed on that part like whether we'll have to just stay in the house or stay in like one hotel or uh what it may be that we haven't been informed on that yet so i'm kind of interested to see i mean um i think i wouldn't mind being in a bubble actually i mean as long as i get to play football and i think that's what training camp is now training camp gets a bad rap obviously because it's miserable it's a long time there's no games that matter so it's a tough thing for a lot of people but that aspect of like escaping and getting together with your team and kind of building the camaraderie i think there's not a lot like that especially coming after this sports uh, hiatus and this quarantine i think training camp is going to be a bit different for players this year and almost like an appreciation of it as opposed to a i hate it which is the normal mindset towards it I definitely think it would be appreciated. I mean, after all the time we've had off, uh, like like no TAs, uh, just n- you don't get that chemistry. You don't get the camaraderie uh, with the guys. You don't, you're not used to you know you don't get that when you're not around them. So I think uh, they, it was taken for granted before. So people would definitely use that time and um, come together, and it, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Are you an Adidas guy? Yes, sir. When that happened recently? 
Uh, no, sir. So I've been with Adidas my, since my rookie year. Oh, I didn't know that. I, they, hey, Adidas needs to show you a little bit more love, too. We need Aaron Jones. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? We need a little bit more of a push there, Adidas. Let's do this. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, so you and Aaron Rodgers, both Adidas guys, both feel probably a little bit slighted and both probably about to have the best years of your career next year. Is that accurate? I think that's very accurate. Hey, we like that a lot. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, do you have anything for Aaron? Uh, no, I just I, I was curious. Like when when a guy gets drafted, uh, you know, in the second round, so they're obviously kind of putting a lot of chips into that basket. Like, does it, how do how do you react to something like that? Are you of the mindset where it's like, hey, the more competition in the running back room, the better? Uh, I, I just think of it as the more competition in the running back room, the better. I mean, at one point I was third on the depth chart, and I was just wor- worrying about myself. So I continue to worry about myself. I make sure my guys know what they're doing and put them in the best role to succeed but I, I really just worry about myself and because that's all I can control is myself hey that's an interesting position for you to be in as the third guy at one point now you're going into contract year you're going to be the featured guy which happened last year but now they bring in a young guy and it's always this interesting thing where it's like yeah the outside almost expects the veteran to be this like another coach like hey you need a mentor you need to be a coach and every older player that i've ever seen even those who aren't considered to be great mentors they're like nice they'll answer every single question like they'll try to help out but hey it's not my job to coach you okay like that's the coach's job i'm also trying to get ready for a season but for you this has to be a whole new place now like you're like the guy in the room now who has to answer the questions as opposed to the person that's asking the questions have you thought about that position at all and how you'll handle it uh i actually have now it's, it's kind of weird because now i'm the veteran uh, yeah for uh really in our room we didn't have a vet so it's kind of like we're learning on the fly doing everything on the fly and now i'm the vet and uh have like you said a young guy coming in and um i'm gonna do everything to make sure he's he's right and ready if if we and when, and when the time comes if he needs to step on the field he knows what he's doing um but like you said it's it's I'm focused on myself. It's a contract year, and I'm worried about myself. It's a weird balance. It is a weird. It's very weird. It is a very weird balance because it's if you if you if somehow it comes out later that you didn't bend over backwards for the younger player, then they're like, oh, he's selfish. It's like, yeah, but I'm also trying to be the best me at the same time. It's a very weird expectation that gets put on veteran players whenever young players come in at the same position. I'm pumped to see how you handle it because you're a good dude. I think somebody just came. Hey, how's it going back here? How are you? <laughs> how are you? It was my mom. Hey, mom. <laughs> hey, mom. Your son's about to get very wealthy in about 365 days from now. Congratulations. Hey, that's my dad. Hey, what's yeah. up, dad? How's it going, dad? Yeah. 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 My, my dad said you're his favorite. Oh, you're my favorite, sir. I, you're my. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate. Hey, I like the Jones family a lot there. I feel like I need to come visit. Where are you guys at? Down Texas? Yes, sir. El Paso, Texas. You're welcome. Anytime. We'll, we'll show you a good time. Hey, high altitude down there. Ball flies a long way down there, right? Isn't El Paso pretty? Oh, yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Kick the <laughs> hell out of some balls down there. Well, good luck this year. Can't wait to see what you double down with after the incredible year last year. And the fact that the 50 personnel disrespected you, I like that. Add a little fuel to the fire on there. Oh, yes, sir. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm a huge fan of this show and a huge fan of you. So thank you. Aaron. Aaron. We <laughs> like ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Jones. Yeah. Aaron, hold on. In those top 10 running backs, I won't ask who you think you're better than because that's setting you up to be in a terrible position. But who are some running backs around the league that you watch and that you're like, I like the way they operate or maybe I can take some things from their game and maybe add it to mine? Um, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Alvin Kamara. 
um, Dalvin Cook. I feel like those are kind of some of the guys that are similar to me. They they do it uh, do it all. They catch it out the backfield. They can run. Um, Joe Mixon as well. He he catches pretty well and out of the backfield. And um, those guys are explosive when they get the ball in their hands. And um, that's what I look to be as the home run hitter. And every time I get the ball in my hands, I want to do something special with it. 2,300 yards last year. Nothing to sneeze at. Ladies and gentlemen, going into his contract here for the Green Bay Packers, co-leader of rushing touchdowns last year, Aaron Jones. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. Cheers, man. How the whole family came thank out. You, thank mm-hmm. you. Hey, awesome. no problem. Thank you. Cool family down there oh, in El Paso. Yeah. Hey, El Paso, ball flies down there. It's like Denver. Very uh, elevated. Ball goes a long, long, long way. There was somebody that went to UTEP, University of Texas, El Paso. He was a kicker punter that was just bombing balls. And I was like, this guy is a machine. And then you look at the elevation. It's like, oh, it's pretty high up there, I think. I think, <laughs> I, think is pretty, I still respect it. Let's not get crazy. I like Aaron Jones a lot. I'm so happy he made it happen. He's a good guy. Going into a contract year, too. That is a very weird thing. Like Ben Roethlisberger, it, they, there was an entire narrative that he wasn't a good leader or a veteran or whatever. It's like, okay, man, like, listen, this is a business, okay? I will try to answer as many questions as I possibly can, but I have to worry about my ass, too, trying to figure it out. No matter what year it is, I have to figure it out. It's a tough expectation to fill because a lot of people just expect that veteran to go ahead and hand over every single thing they've learned in their 15-year, 10-year career, 6-year career, and it's like, well, hold on now. There is a little business that has to be in on this thing, and what do I, am I supposed to be the coach now, not the other? It was, it's a very weird thing, especially with how the media covers it depending upon who it is. Especially because he's, he's a veteran, but he's only 25 years old. Like Yeah, like Aaron Rodgers, for instance. However, him and Jordan Love's relationship goes this year, there will be people that are like, oh, he could have taught Jordan Love more. He wasn't as nice to Jordan Love. It's like, you ever think, or maybe he was over, like, he said he's going to do this. He, it's not Jordan Love's fault, obviously. And I think he's come out and said he can't wait to work with him and he'll answer any question that he has and all that, which is the right move. But man, when it's a Wednesday or a Thursday and it's like third down day and Aaron's got a lot to focus on, if he's not answering every single one of Jordan Love's questions and somehow that gets out, the media will be like, Aaron Rodgers trying to run Jordan Love out of the building. It's like, well, maybe he's just trying to do his job to his ability and saying, hey, follow what I'm doing. Let's go ahead and get it. It's it's a very weird thing that the media expect of people for to teach their potential replacements, especially in a business, whenever they're trying to get better as well it's very very weird can't thank you enough for listening to today's show obviously the guests are fantastic but it's really you that makes this whole thing go round if you like this show please please tell a friend Hashtag end of pod squad will be determined by tomorrow's show got to pick two $500 winners if you want to use the hashtag end of pod squad and say what's up and tweet it to me, you could be entered in it, but do it fast because those names are coming motherfucking quick. We'll be back manana with a whole new episode. We think you will enjoy it. Send you into the weekend in a beautiful fashion. We can't thank you enough for rocking with us, fucking with us, laughing with us. Ladies and gentlemen, Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music.